What's up, guys? Welcome to Sip It and Rip It. My name is Nathan. Um, my co-host here is Zach, and we have two guests. We're full of beefy men here today. <laughs> We're full of something. <laughs> full of shit. <laughs> I think that's the, second, that's, the, that's the second time you've made that joke. Oh, yeah. last time, well, I was a full of shit joke. Well, steaming pile of shit last time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, we've got Dave Hayes and Steve Sides. Uh, they are local masters lifters. Uh, we're excited to talk to them about that. But first, we got some some drinks today. What do we got, Zach? Uh, this is a raw old fashioned. We drink a lot of old fashions on the show, and if you can't tell by the cocktail, I fell off the seventy five hard bandwagon <laughs> again. Again. It's okay, though. We could talk a whole other episode about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll save it. What are y'all drinking? I've got a Vining Steppen Vitus, which is a vice beer, um, 7%. Good, smooth. Nectar of the gods is what I call it. This is Monkey Shoulder, which is a single malt scotch, and it's actually blended from three different Speyside single malt scotches. Uh, very smooth, very flavorful. This is uh, definitely a sipping whiskey right here. Yeah. Good stuff, though. Doesn't mix it like like we do. No, <laughs> he's, he's much more of a man. We, <laughs> we, we, like, we got we got to get it down somehow. We, we do. <laughs> we're not we're not that tough. We're, we're not worthy. <laughs> well, boys, might as well get it out of the way first. Favorite songs to lift to. You can pick two a piece. Oh man! If you need time uh, to think, I think me and you can go first. Yeah, I can always go first. Too. Uh, yeah, you go first. And in, in honor of the uh, old geezer show, um, I chose uh, "War Pigs" by Black Sabbath. Um, it's always been a favorite. It's one of those songs that gets you into heavy stuff. Yep. Uh, it's awesome. And then uh, because I work like seventy hours a week, I thought it was fitting. But uh, Rush's uh, "Working Man," yes, awesome song. So those are my two for the week. Uh, I'm not going with the old timey theme. <laughs> I, uh, I I was listening to it and I forgot how good it was. Uh, it's called "Gods Amongst Men" by Within the Ruins. I was listening to that. Today. I never listened to them much. I've, I've always listened to it when we added to the playlist. It's really like that whole album's really good. I specifically like that that album because it's a uh, it's about the uh, the storyline of Superman if he goes evil. Oh, that's cool. That whole song. So like a concept is, record? Yeah. Awesome. That, whole, that's that, cool. that song's, well, it's about the game Injustice, which is like, take Mortal Kombat and fuse it with DC Comics. Okay. That's what it I is. I got you. Cool. Awesome. But, uh, but it's really good. And uh, there's one other I had. I can't think of it, so I guess I'm just going to Maybe we can get, we'll come back to it. Steve, you got, you got a couple? Um, going way back, Steve Miller Band. Okay. Jungle Love. Jungle Love. It'll, uh, it's, it's a toe tapper. There you go. Um, and there's something by Rush that I just can't remember what it is right now. Is it Tom Sawyer? I have Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer and Jungle Love, huh? Yeah. Both good songs. I, I love Tom Sawyer especially. You know, funny enough, I actually have a very distinct memory of the song Tom Sawyer because there was someone I worked with a long time ago who was like, always calling me Tom Sawyer and I was like why is like because you just remind me of the song but I don't know what about <laughs> my <not> personality <laughs> reminded them of the Tom Sawyer song modern day warrior mean mean stride today's Tom Sawyer mean mean pride but that's, 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 that's the mean mean pride <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no his mind is not for rent don't put him down he's arrogant 
tone. There you go. He's got a nail, man. I am a, I'm, a, I'm a Rush fanatic. I, I latched on to Rush sometime in the late 70s and at one point had every one of their albums. You know they never sold platinum? I mean, they have... They, at, during, as the albums came out, they never sold platinum. They probably have several well, they platinum were, records now, but... They were just off of mainstream radio, and so they didn't get the airplay. And they, even now, have this cult following. Yeah. And so it wasn't one of these big, multi-platinum selling kind of groups, but, you know. I mean, that's, uh, they've, they've been a pretty big influence to about three generations of musicians so, oh, yeah, so far. Yeah. So, I mean... Been uh, been pretty them and King Crimson, which is that's a little bit darker, a little eerier, but uh, you know, two progressive bands from back in the day, I can get with for sure. What's your other one? Uh, what's yours in general? Well, just, <laughs> um, it's it's weird because my music is the spectrum is all over the place. Um, just the the kind of get you going music stuff. I think you and I have talked about before. I love to listen to, uh, I've got a, a channel on Pandora, it's called Symphony X. So Symphony X is the group. Uh, Dream Theater, the progressive rock stuff, uh, these multi-time signature changes, just yeah. stuff. Um, but I can go from that. There have been times that I've been in the gym, I've been listening to Glenn Miller. And Benny Goodman, so swing and big band from the 1940s. I can get down with that. So it's just everything in between. I just depending on the mood as to what I what I need. When you want to lift heavy, what are you listening to? Uh, probably more to the progressive rock stuff. Is there a uh, Dream Theater song or Symphony X song in particular? Ah oh, man, there's there's just so many. I agree there's, about Dream Theater so especially. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I um, we get to talk about it every week, so we always. It's never the same songs, right? Yeah. We try to come with a few every week. So just sitting here on the spot, as much as we listen to music, it's really, really hard. Yeah, so I kind of have to pigeonhole myself too. I'm like, I'm only going to pick <laughs> things I lift to and not necessarily things I enjoy away from the gym. So it's kind of a, it's, a, it's really kind of a hard question. But we'll uh, we'll throw some Dream Theater and Symphony X on the playlist for you. Uh, I might choose some of my favorites though. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, Untethered Angel is a really good one. Just okay. Yeah. Okay. Untethered Angel. Yeah. Cool. Right. Awesome. So what are we talking about today, Nathan? Well, we got one more subcategory to go through. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so what did you do in the gym today? Uh, I bench pressed. Uh, volume work, all sets of eight, 265, 285. So I did the natural thing, 265, 275, 285. I mm -hmm. uh, had some two board and then uh, back and arm stuff. What about y'all? Uh, it was leg days, squats, uh, RDLs, leg extensions, single leg press, leg curls. There you go. Just, just a fun day. Yeah. Sounds what like work up to on squat. Um, today was six reps of three, and it was one sixty. One sixty. Yeah, I'm starting programming hard numbers, so I got. We gotta look down the list and see himself <laughs> progress almost. Yeah. Um, is but, what it is, huh? But that's good. I mean, I mean, you, you, you've been able to determine the things I need to do to improve and with my being the age I am, um, you know, low, low reps and, or. Yeah, low reps, low a lot reps, of sets. A lot of sets, low reps. Yeah, yeah, that's worked out. How about you, Dave? Shoulder day. 
Oh, that's fun. Uh, so I'm, yeah. I'm one of those weird people that looks forward to shoulder day. Oh, shoulder no, day. I'm really, I, I kind of yeah. like doing shoulders too. I think that comes with training age. <laughs> and and just, your, your training age is actually a little bit less than the rest of ours, so you still hate shoulders. You're still I, not. I, yeah, I started out hating shoulders. So, <laughs> yeah. so what, uh, what specifically did you hit? I, I know I made you do overhead press. Overhead press, uh, lateral raise, face pulls. Uh, I also do rear delts. Um, straight arm dips, uh, building up on the traps. Uh, so I actually added some stuff oh, on, yeah, that's on, cool. on top of what was already there. Uh, the big number, the overhead press, was uh, four sets of 10. I think I topped out at 115. That's solid for Sweet. overhead press, though, for yeah. that many reps. Overhead presses. It gets taxing. Difficult. It is, yes. yeah. That is, uh, you think you're strong, <laughs> and then you overhead press and realize that you ain't that strong. <laughs> Very humbling. Especially, especially with us powerlifters, you're always pressing horizontally and never vertically. Yep. Um, I've always tried to put something in everybody. Everybody here knows because everybody's ran my programming. We're going to do some type of vertical press mm -hmm. at some point. Uh, I believe in it. Even Ron, he's taking a lot of it away. I still overhead press on the Smith machine yeah. all the time. So it just is what it is. Have so. you used the plate loaded isolation? A shoulder press for it? Yeah. I didn't know we had a shoulder press machine for that. That's cool. I will. Um, when I'm responsible for my own programming again, I'm trying really hard not to get out of pocket with That's Ron. That's fair. Because uh, I paid the man good money to tell me what to do. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm, I'm trying really hard to. But there's a lot of new machines at this new gym mm -hmm. that I'm dying to use. Yeah. yeah, just the lat pull down I love. It's the only one I, I actually have programmed. So that's right. the only one I get to take advantage of right now. So just kind of is what it is. I'll have to just wait until March 5th before <laughs> I get to. I got a feeling I'm not going to feel good March 5th. So <laughs> right. uh, March 6th or 7th, I'll get back in the gym and, <laughs> and I'll get to play with some of those machines. What did you do? Uh, I did close grip incline for sets of 10. I worked up to 225. Still still not completely recovered from my cut. It's kind of mean on close grip incline, though. I can't lie to you. <sighs> Seems like strength's coming back pretty good. It's all right. Um, nothing. Nothing. Your previous one rep max was like 275 on incline, regular incline. I think right? I did two. But still, I you're talking remember, about you're doing, but you're doing sets of 10 with 225 and with a close grip. I would say that that's probably improved. I don't know. I guess. I guess just mentally, it's like two. And you know, to yeah. be fair for for all of us here, since we're all powerlifters, there's not a lot of reason to even have a one rep max on yeah. on incline. But boy, it sure does. That's one of those kind of like overhead press. When you start getting good at it, it starts feeling good. Yeah, it's pretty cool to be able to throw a couple plates around on incline <laughs> for sure. The the rest of the day was just kind of some chest back and uh, triceps. Sure. I did. Five sets of twenty on the plate loaded isolation row. You're uh, you mentioned to me today. You're thinking about going to a four day split and adding some mobility work yep. because my hips hurt. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's yes. primarily the reason. Yeah, yes. yes. preaching to the choir. Everybody knows my situation. So yeah, uh, uh, mobility works a life change. Uh, you know, life changing for sure. Um, me and you used to do a lot of it for your squats, and I think it really, in the short term, it yeah, paid off big I think time. It did. You have mobility now; you didn't when I got you. So right. that's for sure. Um, I don't do enough of it right now, but also, I mean, I don't feel, physically feel like I've got enough time. Right. So yeah, uh, hammies are pretty tight, lats are pretty tight right now, and uh, it's starting to show up in my shoulders and hips a little bit. Right. It's kind of is what and it is. And it makes a difference, even because in my job, I sit a lot. Yeah, sciatic and, is a high risk for you. It doesn't take long until my hips start to hurt, yeah. and I have to get up and move around. Yeah, that's uh, which people don't tell you about bad hips, man. Is like sitting is not a relief 
uh, long car rides. I'm sure you've we've talked about it before. Yeah. A long yeah. car ride feels like hell. It is not fun to be lazy when you have when you have hurting hips. I mean, the recliner is the only place I can sit down and my hips not hurt because I can lay out. You right. know what I mean? Like, I can't sit on the couch. Not gonna sit on a bar stool. Nothing like that. I can't do it. Right. Pro tip: Don't don't go to the your meet on. Don't drive to your meet on the same day. Oh yeah, that's, a, that's <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're. Especially if you're 30 plus or have a history of injuries regardless Un of age. Unless it's a short drive. Yeah, I mean, if it's like, a short, like A-Rab. Right. That, that was fine. You know, it's, it's a 30 minute drive for right. us. Like, uh, but you know, I'm traveling the night before to go compete in Montgomery. That's only a two hour drive. So there is no hours. damn way I'm riding for two hours and I'm going to squat, expect to squat a PR. Yeah. It's not going to happen. I'm not even sure I can deadlift one after right. a two hour ride, to be honest with you. That's like my weakest point is post car ride by yeah. far. I, so much so that I'm worried about riding in, coming in the night before. The meet you did in Tennessee, did you go the night before? I did. You... Okay. And and I did really well with squats. And, yeah, I got all um, all whites on All squats. whites on squats, which yeah. was amazing for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, a, that's actually a pretty good segue. Um, both you guys um, mess around with my program, and both of you just got out of meets. You did one together and then you turned around and did another one like four weeks later and improved like put, added like a 200 pounds to your total over November <laughs> yeah. right yeah so there's a big difference so whoever wants to go first tell us about your meat experiences in 2022 well, this was most recent yeah so you want to start with November well December? yeah well I started out in first meet ever was uh in May in Birmingham and uh this year yeah I didn't know this year was your first meet yeah. He had done a couple of mock meets. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I did a total of three meets in 2022. Birmingham was the first. It was just an awesome experience. Uh, set some records for my division. Just wasn't really there in, for Decatur. It just didn't, wasn't. Humble. Well, we also were looking at bigger picture too for. Yeah. And um, then. And then Brent was three weeks after Decatur and uh, did really well with that. Yeah, that was a quick turnaround. But, you know, I remember telling you in September, October, you were going to have to kind of focus on the one in the distance. Yeah. And do yeah. the best you could. Because yeah. it's just so hard. I'll tell you, I mean, you got some nuts on you because uh, I can promise you neither me or Nathan, unless there's a significant amount of money on the line and we think we can go win it, are going to go three weeks back to back. There is not a damn chance. No. One thing, we're going to miss a week of training because we're going to take that week post-meet off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they expect to tune up, basically do a little mini peak and then compete. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that that worked. I, you know, I, and I don't know if the, the cater was a run-up to, to do so well in Brentwood. But, um, and, and I've worked out with you enough and trained that, no, I'm not going to hurt myself too much. So Right, know, yeah, I, you know. I kind of stay within where I should be, but we had a good plan for Brentwood. Yeah, we did. And, you know, honestly, you know, we sacrificed some Decatur I knew because, um, you know, we talked, like, with you having another meet that close, I couldn't really put you through a real peak. Right. You know, like me or Nathan or Dave would do because you were turning around. So, basically, your peak really started at that meet in Decatur and ran through Brentwood. Right. Like, it was basically like, a tune-up, basically. It was, that's kind of the way we had to treat it because um, I don't know if there – and I'm not saying that I did a good job, but I don't know if there's a coach in the world that could coach you through two that close and then be super successful. Right. Unless you're just, yeah. you know, 
the elite of the elite, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that maybe <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you broke records both meet, right? I did. Yeah, so I, I mean, did. all three meets you competed in, you broke you broke some kind I of record. Have. Yeah. So we've been fortunate, and uh, we were seven pounds shy of qualifying for nationals. Yes, we were. Which is uh, what what you and I are working on now. Right. So, and you know, if y'all don't know, that's always a moving target. As people get better, qualifying totals may change. So, you know, just because your qualifying total was a thousand doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a thousand by the time the meet rolls around. So you need to always shoot as high as you can and plan for something bigger. So I think we talked about planning for 830, 840 as kind right. of the target. Mm -hmm. So if we can get that, we should be well within range to... It should be safe. Yeah, it should be safe, I'd imagine. Dave? Well, the one in November was my fourth or fifth meet. Um, I was in another federation first mm -hmm. and changed and I had just come out of another meet the year before and I was actually on the down slope when I competed there and my numbers were less than stellar. I wasn't really happy with any of those numbers. Um, and so I knew after I changed uh, federations, I was also changing weight classes. So I had competed uh, the first couple of meets, I was actually in the 220 class. Uh, then I went down to the 204 class, which they've done away with, I think. Um, and switching federations, there was no 204. And so I looked at my options of whether to compete at 220 or try to get to 198. And so I opted to go down because I was closer to 198. Um, and so my goal was to be at around 196 or 197, and I actually overshot my weight. And I came in, I weighed in at 191 that day. Hell, you're almost and so I had, I had lost, I had lost 16 pounds in just, yeah. you know, a short amount of time. But I felt good when I went into the meet. Um, so got there, felt good, um, loved 24-hour weigh-ins. Yeah, that, that <laughs> helps. We, I know we had talked we about, talked about I, it I weighed in that morning and I stopped at McDonald's on the way out and got food and I ate all the way from Decatur <laughs> back to Coleman. Um but I, I went in the meet and I felt good. Um, I was still on the ascendant at that point. I was still felt like I had more to accomplish, but I needed, uh, I needed a class one total in order to qualify for nationals. And so I had, my plan was, and I had my numbers set out that I was going to try to get to. And I was able to get past those numbers. Um, and a lot of that was you just being there because lifters i know myself when i'm when i'm just there and i'm competing i get in my own head and i think well i did this one and i struggled so maybe i'll do this weight instead of you know reaching for this weight and you watched and said now nah, you've got this go ahead and do this do this do this and so it actually pushed me beyond what i would have done on my own which was a good thing um i had planned on setting state records which there were none established for the 198 weight class anyway. But I wanted it to be respectable. I didn't want to just show up and do an opening weight and it's like, yeah, I got it, you know, and for a state. I wanted it to be something that people would see and say, that's legitimate. And so I, I got, I was able to get the four state records. Um, 
And then they misspelled my name on the website. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's all corrected. Uh, the state records are there, and they told me I was tested and non-tested records, um, which got my class one total. Uh, so I was, I think, a little over a thousand total. Mm-hmm. Um, and our plan this time, I'm I'm on the Zach plan. Um, I'm going to shoot for a 1,200 pound total. Yeah, I, I, th- I honestly think you got it. I think that there was, uh, you know, it would have been, you know, an RP 11, but, you know, you probably could have shaved down 1100 probably this past time. But we didn't know that either. That's yeah, what I talk about yeah. being pushed. Like, you know, I hadn't spent much time with you training. You know, I wasn't doing your programming and stuff like that. So, you know, I was just basically there to tell you what I saw. Right. And we did that, and it, like I said, it worked out. It worked well, it, out well. And, you know? and really, the most noticeable was when I was doing the bench press, because my, my third lift was was a state record on the third lift. And I, stru- I didn't really struggle, but I just hit that sticking point about midway up. And then I managed to lock out. And as soon as I came off the platform, you saw it. It's, it wasn't the inverted S. I came straight up off the chest. And you said, if you'll push back, and I was like, I, I wasn't even thinking of that. So the next lift, which was even heavier than the lift before, the inverted S, you just boom, that first move, and it went it went up easy. Yeah, it was probably better. That Your, your record attempt, your fourth attempt, was probably a little better than your third. Um, and that was a fourth attempt, right? Right. If I'm, right, if I'm right. mistaken, yeah. So, and the yeah, first one, I didn't, I didn't know you could do a fourth attempt on, the, on squats, and so I finished three. And the third squat came up easy, and I was, I don't know, ran off someplace all excited, and I didn't know you could do a fourth attempt, so I may have been able to bump that, that squat record as well, but well, it is what it is, living and, and I was like you, I was setting, there was no, basically no um, records in my division, there, there was a, a meager one, but after Decatur, when we were leaving, I, the guy comes up to me and says, "Hey, my son's got me into powerlifting, and you're the, you're who I'm going after." So uh, yeah, you you can't just beat the records; you got to accept. You got to crush and, them. And the guy, the records you did beat, <laughs> the guy was there, but he was competing in another category. He had, he had aged up, right? He had aged up, and which, just from where we are now, um, see, I'm I'm 59 this year. And next year, I'll move up to another category, and I'm coming after your record. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny how that works out. Yeah, isn't it? That's, uh-huh. that's the reason I'm going to do my best to stay fat, so I don't have to worry about Nathan beating all my submaster records down well, here in the next couple well, of years. That's what I was, I was telling Zach. I'm, I'm kind of, I hang around 212, but I've ballooned up like 218 right now. Throwing a couple more pounds, I can get records for the next weight right. division up. But then you won't just, get to. He's just got old game weight. Pork on up there, and then I'm, I'll come after you. <laughs> but that—that that is what. If we're segue to a different subject here, but that is what is so compelling about this sport is the fact that um, when I first started this. I've always been ultra competitive my whole life. I've played every sport under the sun. And when I got into my, I was, I guess I was about 40 when I stopped playing softball and flag football and all that other stuff. And I thought, well, my sports career is done. And 
it was not until I came in the gym I decided I was going to get strong and then go to the Scottish Highland Games and throw sheep and rocks and whatever else. And I don't know if it was you or somebody else approached me and they said, are you powerlifting? And I said, I'm just trying to get strong. And they said, think about powerlifting because you can do this. And so just a little bit of research, I thought, you know, no way. At my age, there is no way I can do this. And then I started looking at it and it's like, I'm close now. And when you break it down into the, the age categories and the weight categories, and each age has its own weight subcategory. And, and so it's just, you're basically competing against yourself. And once I had that mindset, then it was like, okay, this is where I need to be. And so I have been competitive, even in my late 50s, I'm competitive. And in your 60s, you're competitive. And it's, it's an amazing thing once you get there and realize that, hey, I can still do this. And some really weird off-the-cuff stuff, when, you know, they had misspelled my name on the record stuff. And so when I, I checked the records on the website, it led me to another uh, open strength powerlifting or whatever. It's yeah, open powerlifting. Over, and it's supposedly a compendium of all of everything. It is. And so right now... Just on a lark, I decided to check it. I'm ranked number 272 in the world for my age and weight category. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> and we get that 1,200, you might be top 100 in the world. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and, and that's kind of... I, I got in the gym working out probably... Um, I was 60, 61, and um, just wasn't happy with where I was getting. So I, I, I got Zach as a trainer. And, and things started taking off a little bit. And there's one, one statement he made that got me into powerlifting. He said, we're, we're deadlifting. And he said, you, you're not far off the state record. So then I got to looking. I said, damn, I'm not. Yeah. And that's that moment. Yeah. And that's, boom. So, um, so that's, what, that's what got me into it. Yeah. And, and it's just, just knowing that you're that close and that you're still competitive. And the thing, I know you guys are right in the, the thick of all this stuff. So you have a lot of competition. Uh, for us, every year that we keep doing this, there are less and less people. And you get uh, Tom, I can't remember his last name. He's in his mid-70s at this point and still competing. And so you and you met the guy. Well, there was a guy in, in Brentwood that was in his seventies. Boy, he was unbelievable. And he deadlifted like four ninety. Yeah, and he was uh, had a four hundred plus pound squat too. He was. Yeah. He uh, was awesome. Ridiculous. You know, and he didn't look it. Bench press was about what you would expect. I yeah. would say it wasn't a weak bench press. You know, it was mid two hundreds, but. Um, had a very impressive squat and deadlift yes. uh, for his age. He's not far. I'm sure he's not far off of national records. Yeah. If I, he didn't set one, he may have set one on deadlift I, for his age. I think he did, as a matter of fact. Um, the guy from Oregon I met, Rudy, uh, uh, I mentioned the other day, Rudy, I can't remember his last name. He's the CEO of Kabuki. He works with Chris Duffin. Mm -hmm. um, I think he just took that. He, he deadlifted a little over 500 pounds at 70, either 71 or 74. I don't remember the, the number, but he's one, he's one of the other. Uh, he was an incredibly, incredibly strong man, but he's he's from Oregon. I think he just took the national record, but that might be the only deadlift bigger than. You remember that gentleman's name? 
I don't. He's a nice guy. Yeah. His son was with him. His Super son was nice big guy. too. I bet his yeah. son's strong. He also his son also looked like he's in my weight class. That <laughs> 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 makes me worry a little bit. <laughs> that's another thing that I've noticed about just the the powerlifting community. Um, the only thing I can equate it to that somebody might recognize is like going to a track meet because there's you have an event and there's a lot of downtime. Well, in the downtime, um, you meet people and you talk to people yeah. and you begin to see the same people at these same meets. Even when you travel to Brentwood, you probably yeah. saw people that you knew. And it's, there's this community of lifters. And of course, you're going to get in any sport, you're going to get the ones that are, you know, I'm better than you, that kind of stuff. But then there are the other ones that are like, how are you doing? What have you been doing? How you, how's your lifting going? What training are you doing? And so it's a tight-knit community, and that's, you know, the social aspect of it is great on top of being able to compete at any age. Yeah, it is. Because competition is a seven, eight-hour event. Right. And if you're, you're lucky. Yeah. We've been to, <laughs> me and him's been to 12, me and you were oh, yeah, yeah. and with Duncan was at yeah. a 13-hour event one day. And you're doing nine lifts. Right. Yeah. So it's there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of emotional up and downs yeah, too. Yeah, Mentally, yeah. it's an up and down yeah. day. Yep. And you find yourself cheering for people you don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that's that's as that's, long as they're I not guess, in your division. Well, that too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Secretly, you're saying I hope he falls, but yeah, yeah. outwardly, you're yeah, good lift, good lift. That's, that's a good segue so, for a question I have for you guys. So a couple, a few episodes ago, we talked about um, rivalry in sports and how I don't necessarily agree with a you versus you attitude in powerlifting or in sports in general. And not to say there's anything wrong with a gym, but uh, we can all agree that nobody, none of us show up to these events to get beat, right? Like you go expecting expecting to win. Now, like you, you guys said, in y'all's age division is, is typically, it's not like open for me and him. Um, there's typically less competitors, but it doesn't matter if you're competing against somebody directly or competing against record book. You're still going to win, right? Right. That being said, uh, another another thing we talked about, and kind of kind of ties it in here. Um, we talked about how I think in the first episode we talked about how I feel like competition is a human necessity. You don't even realize you need. It checks the box, an instinctual box in us that um, really, honestly, for me, fills a pretty big void. Even if I go and get beat. But just going and being competitive, doing something. You were talking about playing competitive sports until you were 40 and not having anything from then until you started powerlifting right, that you right. really wanted. That kind of, kind of, it kind of proves my point. But would y'all agree and can y'all expand on the idea that com- competition is good for us regardless of what point in life you're in? Well, that, <clears throat> there has to be, no matter what you're doing, there has to be some validation of what you're doing is actually worth the time and effort you're putting sure, into it. Yeah. So whether it's, um, I don't really want to say you get, you know, uh, participation trophies, but at the same time, when you do participate, even if you don't break records or you don't finish first or second, you may finish third or fourth or fifth or whatever the case may be, the whole time you're there, you are competing. Even if I, you and I have been in places where there was no one in our age division, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're looking at, okay, there's a guy that's younger than me, so now I have to outlift him. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's this competition going on, and it, it, it's, a, it's a validation of who you are as an athlete, but it's a validation of who you are as a person. Because when you tell people, 
Now I'm a power lifter. They think you're nuts anyway. Right. <laughs> and so it's it's like no, it's it's like anything else. You a musician. Yeah, absolutely. You, you have to put the time and effort in to practice and get good at what you do. So no matter what the the specific thing you're doing, you want that validation. You want people to say, "I like what he did there. I like you know the training method." So it's. For you as a trainer, especially, you can look at this and say, okay, I tried this, it worked well here, didn't work well here. You, you modify, you change, it gives you validation as to what you're, you're teaching people sure. as a coach and as a lifter, you, and this comes with age, it's just you learn what works for you and what doesn't work. All of us, you know, different body types, different ages, different everything. Um, whereas you could go in and attack something with really heavy weights and just be done and be great. And whereas I might have to go lighter weight, you know, more to get, and then we come out at the same, same place. So each one of us being different, we have to validate what we're doing to make sure that we're doing what we need to be doing. Yeah. that's, and, that's and the human side of it says we have to, we have to do this. Yeah. Well, and I think that. It extends into everyday life and work life. It's yeah. almost at the end of every day. It's hey, what what can I do tomorrow that can make it better than what today was? Yeah. Even though you may be you may be doing the same thing, you may be doing different things that day. So how can I make it better? How can I be better? And um, with powerlifting, it is or in in competitions, it is not so much. When, when you, especially like like you guys that are in open division, lots of people, it's it's I, I need to do better than what I did last time. Not so much I want to beat. We want to beat everybody, but it's at the end of the day, am I better than I was the last time? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a that's a the validation is a good uh, a good perspective because it's not one. It's one, one that I feel like all of us knew in our heart, but it's not necessarily one that we've discussed, I don't think, right? Like, But you do want it, you know, whether you win or not, you do want it validated that what you do is work, working and what you're doing is worth it. Yeah. If you've trained for um, three months, four months for a competition, you want to be better. Yeah, absolutely. And you should be, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's, that's the, in general the and, idea. And even if it's just somebody that comes up at the end of the meet, it's like, man, you did great out there today. And I've had people that come up to me and say, you PR today and it's like not quite and it's like well it looked good and so you take that and you're like checkbox okay yeah. I'm good and and in some of that downtime when when other people are lifting you don't know who they are from Adam but everybody is cheering for him because they're struggling trying to get that weight up mm -hmm. and um, it's it, it's it's just a good feeling all around yeah, yeah I mean it, uh, um, Talk about validation. As an athlete, I've never been validated because I mean, you you watched it happen. Nathan watched it happen. Um, so that for me, that's something I'm missing from powerlifting. I don't know that I've never had that complete day that showed me that what I've done has been worth it or that uh, what I've done is well, you know it's not it's not really been validated in a on a competition in a competition scene now. We've had some mock meets and I've had some people that I've been like, I'm going to kick that guy's ass. Mm -hmm. And he toted an ass whooping by the time I was over with. But it's not, you know, it's still not quite the same, right? I mean, it's it's not. So that's what I'm chasing. I'm like on a revenge tour because like I have never, the three of you guys have, I have never been fortunate enough to feel that validation, you know, unfortunately. But the um, other side of that is you as a coach. Oh, I get to see it all the time. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, that's, uh, we don't. 
what you it, do. It shouldn't, it shouldn't check two separate boxes, but it really does. Yeah. You know, that's, that's more, for me, that's a lot like playing music. That's intellectual property. That is an art that you're presenting. It's not necessarily, it is hard work and effort, but not physical hard work and effort. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, uh, it's one of those things like I've yet to check that box. I realize y'all haven't checked the same box as I have, but, uh, but yeah. as as a trainer, you're working with ten people, five yeah. five maybe powerlifters that that competes. You you've got to come up with a plan that is adapted to each one of those people, yeah, depending on their age and weight and abilities, and and that's got to give you some validation when they do well. Yeah, it definitely does, and I I can I can promise you that I already know this. I have more pride for what y'all do than what I'll ever do. Because, and and Nathan can speak to this a little bit about being an open, and he does his own programming now. Has done mine before. Um, but, uh, man, where was I going? Where was I going with this? It sounded pretty damn good. <laughs> you it sounded pretty good. You, here's, here's, <laughs> bottom line is what I'm, what I'm getting is even though you do all this, you've got all this over here with the training and the different people doing this and that, and you've had a part in dozens of state records at this point yeah but it's nice to be able to put that trophy up on the on the shelf yeah, for and sure. say that's yeah. mine yeah absolutely and, and i guess um because I, first of all i don't i don't like i got one somewhere yeah, up there i don't the uh, i don't like the uh, swords under the bed there's an actual trophy somewhere uh, <laughs> i think it's behind all that crap on the top but i um it, it is validating to see you guys do that and i have had dave's right i have I don't think I have a national record holder yet, to be fair. I'm hoping Dave's the guy that changes that in nationals this year. But, uh, you know, I have, I think I have a, a state, uh, an athlete with a state record in, in pretty much every major division in Powerlifting across several federations, to be fair. So it's not like I've clean sweeped the USPA or, or USAPL or anything like that. But it's been nobody definitely multiple, nobody USAPL. does. Yeah. Nobody cares about USAPL, but um, it is what it is. Um, they're a shell of themselves at this point too with POA and all that stuff yeah. now. So it is what it is. But you know, it is it is different. Um, and I would never, this is where I was going with this. I would never, I've never been the top to take credit for the work that y'all did. And that's, and, that, and that's the truth. The best, we've talked about this before, the best plan is the plan that you can stick to. Um, at the end of the day, to me, whether it's true or not, whether y'all believe it or not, to me, my plan is just a plan. Now, the coaching cues and stuff like that I give you when you're with me, when we're training together, what have you, that might be different. But, like, for me, a plan is just a plan, right? And that's the, I guess that's the biggest discernible difference for me when I think about what, what I've done for y'all is y'all is the, the, that is the outcome of y'all's hard, hard work. Y'all have just done what I've asked you to. You've worked hard. You've done that. But when it comes to me personally, I have yet to do I have yet to see it through officially, you know what I mean? Like, so that's, uh, you know, there's, there is, in my mind, there is a difference. And it's not necessarily that I don't expect to set records. We've talked about this. Hell, I got to compete against my buddy Austin, squats a million pounds. Like, <laughs> my direct competition is one of my best friends. I know he's going to drag my ass. Like, so there's no, if I were to go out there and break a record, he's going to go out there and break it right back. So, I mean, there's no, you know, there's no, uh, you know, there's no victory in that. But just for me to go the distance, yeah, I just like like he was talking about. I just want the fist bump at the end of the day from a stranger that I don't know. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's the, that's the only thing. I, that's really the only thing I want. 
which which segue since we're I don't know if you guys had any particular topics or anything. No, that's right. Um, but I know your injury that day over in Arab kind of derailed everything. It did. Yep. And from the Masters side of that, um, if nothing else, being an athlete my whole life, I have learned when I, my body says something, I listen. As a 20-year-old, as a 30-year-old, my body would say stuff and I wouldn't listen. And then I would pay the, the price day or two yep. or a week later. But now I've gotten to the point where I understand what's what's going on. And, and that's the biggest thing as, as you age up and listening to your body. I mean, there, there are aches and pains you work through. There are aches and pains you listen to. The trick is knowing which is which. Right, right. And as you get older, you kind of learn that, okay, I need to slow down on this. Mm -hmm. I can work through this. And um, it, it's that that's the trick. Uh, crediting y'all and, and following a plan, what got me hurt um, was my own stupidity. What happened is uh, a week prior, I did not follow the plan. I was supposed to be tapering down, preparing for the meet. Um, I have, I like to, squats are something for me. I like to touch heavy weight and I like to touch heavy weight often. It helps me with confidence. Well, it was supposed to be my last heavy day of, of the cycle and it was a full hundred pounds less than I expected to squat on meat day. I think my heaviest squat that day was like a single at like 365, which is not very heavy weight for me. But Brandon, my coach at the time, programmed that for a reason. He, he wanted me to go into the meat healthy. Well, I said, I can't do, I can't stop here. I have to get under at least four plates. I'm expected to squat, you know, 450, 460, 470 on, uh, on meat day. That's my final squat. Like I need to get under something heavier. So I put 405 on the bar. Even then, kind of easy weight for a single for me. Got under it. I had just the most minor pop in my groin at the bottom. Like not literally a lot of pain, nothing like that. Didn't hinder that squat whatsoever. Well, fast forward to meat day. I took that one, it was one rep out of pocket. One rep that coach told me not to do. Specifically said, this is your heaviest lift of the day. Don't do anything else. This is this is the end of your program. And my dumbass said, nah, I got to do a little bit more weight than that. Got under it. It popped. Was warming up that day and said, man, this hurts. Um, did my first attempt. I already had Justin go to the table and wave my third attempt. So the second attempt was going to be my last one. And, uh, the second attempt's what did it. And that took me out of the whole meet, you know, so, um, took you out of a lot of stuff. For and, uh, yeah. Time. For the next, basically for the next, it took me about six weeks to get rehab, but it takes you a whole nother year to gain that strength back. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, uh, well, and that was um, like the plan you gave me for the three week turnaround. It was aggressive as hell for two weeks, but then it was little to nothing that well, third week, yeah. and just um, and and what I what I typically do that week before a competition is I work I, I just focus on technique and motions and commands not, not worry so much about weights. Yeah, absolutely, and it's just you know it goes to show you I, I give you all these guys you guys all this credit for following the plan is because I know. Precisely what happens when you don't follow a plan. And I had to learn that the hard way. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, like, I didn't have a heavy bench press day today. I had three sets of eight from 265 to 285. And I, I didn't go to 290 or 295. 
because I've already learned this the hard way. Mm -hmm. uh, like I stayed in the pocket. I didn't add exercises at the end. I didn't. I did exactly what was on the paper. I packed my shit up and I went home. Like, and and <laughs> ultimately, the plan is a sheet of paper. What what we have to do as as your clients is to execute that plan. Yeah, execute it, and, and then and then you communicate with me if something's going wrong. Um, unfortunately, I'm not in a position where I get to see you guys all the time anymore. Um, but if something's going wrong, I need to know so I can tell you the adjustment that needs to be made. If you got a shoulder problem from shoulder presses, well, then maybe we need to do a fixed range of motion, or maybe we need to skip it all together. Or there's a million things we could do to address that, but. Um, that's the beauty of the plan. Yeah. If things aren't working within the plan, then the plan can be changed. An injury, you guys are a long way out from meat right now, so it probably wouldn't be the most devastating thing. But me and Nathan's talked about a ton on this podcast. It goes beyond just a strength thing. These things are skills that we're learning too. It's just like playing an instrument. You're, you're a musician too. If you're hurt, you miss practice. And if you miss practice, you miss the development of that skill. So I would rather, if I programmed you three sets of eight at 315 on, on squat and you just physically can't do it, I would rather you do that three sets of eight with an empty bar yeah. than do something that hurts you and takes that practice away. And I think that, we've talked about this before, what's missing from a lot of programming and a lot of coaching in general is I think, and that's the reason I've always been a fan of your experience in this now because you came from 531 to my programming mm -hmm. I have a high frequency on all my movements. You're going to squat two times a week, probably going to deadlift one and a half to two times a week, and you're going to press three times a week. Well, I don't necessarily do that to kill you. I do that because we are developing a skill. When the skills develop, Nathan's to a point now where Nathan can get by, me and Nathan both, I only deadlift once a week, can get by with one time a week on deadlifts. Yeah. Um, but when you're, as long as you're developing the skill, and that's exactly what we're doing as powerlifters, if you miss practice, that's that's where you're going to miss the actual knowledge and gains and stuff like that that's going to make you better on meat day. And if you put yourself in harm's way, we can't take weight off of the bar anymore. We have to just stop. Yeah. And that's a, that's a problem. Hell, if you have to squat with a 10-pound kettle, a kettlebell, I'd rather you do that than not be able to squat at all or bench press at all or, what you know, what have you. But, you know, that is something that you guys, you know, your wisdom, you, you knew that going into this. And, uh, and frankly, it's, it's easy to coach you guys because I don't have to worry about hiding information or y'all being stubborn or y'all not being open with me. I have a lot of young lifters that are, um, I've experienced this a handful of times where they were hurt, didn't tell me they were hurt, pushed through anyway. And I won't miss your name, but I had, I had a girl not too terribly long ago uh, mess up a pec. It was a minor strain, but she had a pec strain. Well, you know, there are moments where that can happen acutely and, and stuff like that. Most of the time, though, that's an acquired injury. It's going to get progressively worse and worse and worse until the strain, strain happens. I have one started in my left pec right now. It's been hurting me for several weeks. I communicated that to Ron. I only have, I have a limited number of pressing sets, and then I go to a two board so it's a fixed range of motion and I don't hurt myself. But if you don't give me that information, I don't know to do it. So, like, there's definitely a problem, and I do see it more often with younger lifters. Well, and of like, I, I just got to be, I just got to be tough. I got to do this. This is no pain, no gain. We got to push through. We got to push through. We got to push through. And it's extremely, and like I said, I learned this the hard way, but that is extremely short sighted. Yeah. And I think that's mm -hmm. where older lifters 
know how to listen to their body. Yeah. And, you know, this is hurting, I need to stop, I need well, to the, do something different. To quote Clint Eastwood, a man's got to know his limitations. So, <laughs> and that's just the way it is. As you, for the young guys, I've always called them stupid strong. Because they can go in there with terrible form and just terrible mechanics and lift insane amounts of weight. And I'm thinking, if you only knew what you were doing, you could be so much better. But then... You get to that that point, and you know all of us that have done anything competitive in our twenties, you think I'm going to win at all costs. And as you get older, you realize okay, there is all a cost. cost a is, cost. There's a I need to cut that off before I get to that all cost because even just as far as gym culture goes, you know people are you do steroids? Why don't you do steroids? Is like because I am not a professional athlete. I am not getting paid to do this. And so there comes a point when you have to realize your limitation and say, I am not going to hurt myself. And then it messes me up on everything else. So even as much as I love powerlifting, if I get hurt, then I can't do it. So there's no point in crossing that line into being hurt. It does take something. I can tell you the... I've had minor injuries. Everybody's pulled pulled their back or something, deadlifting, had to take a couple days off the gym or, or something like that. But when you actually have your first major injury, the mental illness that accompanies something you haven't taken, it'd be like me as a bass player having a hand chopped off. Yeah. Um, well, how the frick am I ever going to do this again? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, it, and, just, and just thinking, like, I may not ever recover from this. Well, now that's probably an extreme feeling long term, but in the short term, your first thoughts really are, "I'm done. I'm done. This is this is it." And, and our yeah. each day that goes by, I'm not progressing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm losing. Weight. And that's where I was going into the barbells and brews. Um, that was however many years. That was what two years ago. It at was this point? beginning of 2021, right? I don't know. I lose track. I think it was beginning <laughs> of 2021. But I I was training. I was going to do a full power meet. I was looking to actually set records that day. And so I was getting ready, getting ready, getting ready. I was on the, on the program where I needed to be. I was about to hit my deload. I was going into that last week before deload. And then the meet the following weekend. And I pulled a butt muscle. My, what is it, the piriformis? Yeah. Put me on the ground. And it was because I was not, I don't know what I did. I just picked up an almost empty bar and it pulled it like that. And so now I'm dead in the water. I had trouble walking. I could not squat. I could not deadlift. The only thing I did in that meet was bench press. And it was killing me to know that I, I like you say, I was like, I'm done. I'm finished. Right. I've, I've messed myself up for life. And it's that feeling of just helplessness, knowing that I put all those months and weeks and days and hours of sweat and toil in the gym, and for what? Nothing. Yep. That's, uh, and and that goes back to, there, there, and I never told you this, but... <clears throat> Secrets uh, are being revealed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, a week or two out from the competition, we were working out, and I was with a, a different group. And I was going to move a bar for somebody, and and I just reached down, picked it up, and moved it, and I I strained the back, 
because I didn't use. It's usually good. when you get hurt, you, you you're not you thinking about it, and it's you don't use weight. good form, and you just don't do it like you should. And um, so uh, that that taught me a lesson: you always use good form. Yeah, if you approach that bar, I've actually been hurt more often with lightweight. I just disrespected because mm-hmm. it's lightweight than I have with un- under a heavyweight. Yeah. Like a perfect example was that 405 I took out of pocket with Brandon. That's an, that's a relatively easy single. At the time, it was probably a little harder than it is now. That's, you know, an easy set of five now. But, you know, that's a relatively easy single that I didn't, first of all, I didn't respect my coach and, and took it out of pocket, but I didn't respect the weight because I knew it was mm-hmm. something I could, I could throw off my shoulders if I wanted to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's... uh. You know, I have a hundred other examples of that. One of the worst times I ever hurt my back was was bench pressing, and it was relatively lightweight. Didn't set my feet up right. Bench rolled a little bit, tweaked my back. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. out for two weeks. You know, that's that's kind of stuff sucks. Which <clears throat> lends credence to the fact that you know people think powerlifters are a bunch of big fat guys that just go lift heavy weights. It's like there's a science to this. Oh, there absolutely yeah. is. It, it is rocket science. It is rocket science. <laughs> it is rocket science. I have heard that. <laughs> I've heard that it wasn't. This is the first time I've heard that it is. <laughs> this is this is straight up anatomy and physiology 101. These it are is. the basics of stuff. Understanding how the muscle groups work together, understanding how the individual muscles work, and knowing the form and everything that you need in order to, you know, yeah, that's lift a, at maximum capacity. That's, you know, I think about it a little, a little bit simpler than, you know, in-depth kinesiology. I think about it, I have a really mechanical mind. Um, I'm a pretty decent shade tree mechanic. You know, I, I understand how mechanical things work. So I have a pretty good idea about leverages. And uh, if you're just paying attention to some, how somebody's built, you can kind of coach somebody if you're really paying enough attention and enough practice based on somebody's built. You can guide them through correct bench press, correct squat form, stuff like that. Me and Nathan's talked this. I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the podcast. No two squats are the same. You know that. Yeah. Because your hips, your your heels are almost together. Well, me and Nathan are going to take a little wider stance. I, I don't know, yours is pretty, pretty tight. Fairly narrow, yeah. Um, so, but even still, that's just for feet. You go ahead and talk about what her knees are doing. That's a little bit different still. Where her hips are going, that's a little bit, um, because of your hip issue, you have a little bit more of a vertical squat where me and Nathan push our hips back a whole lot. Yeah. You know and I've I mean? got a semi-arthritic knee, so I have to accommodate that knee when I when I do stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You're probably having a little bit more vertical shin position too then to help that knee out. Um, I have kyphosis in my back. I'm built like Quasimodo. <laughs> my high bar is never going to look the same as y'all's high bar. My low bar is never going to look the same as y'all's high bar. Um, but just knowing those little bit of taking notice of those little nuances and something is that is one of the more difficult parts about my job because it's much much easier to say and I see this too much in personal training, not in powerlifting coaching. Powerlifting coaches know better, but in personal training, there are way too many coaches. that's like this is the only way it's done. Well, that is a fucking lie. <laughs> that is <laughs> not cook- the only way it's a done. Cookie cutter. Approach. Yeah, absolutely. And that and, and the fact is, I understand that's the way it's done for a general population. But in general, if they're willing to pay to come see you for personal training, that automate if they care that much about their health or their strength goals, that automatically makes them not general. Yeah, you know well, what I mean. You and I discussed uh, it just in um, the last block that I was doing. I was doing lunges, and I have difficulty doing lunges just because of that 
the stress that's put on the knee as you step forward. And we talked about doing reverse lunges. Because it's a more vertical shin and position, so just like your squat. It's talking about the, the physiology of my knee in order to make it work for me. Whereas somebody else is like, they could do forward lunges all day long and it doesn't bother them. But I mean, I even have difficulty, I used to run a lot, but I, because of my knee, I cannot run downhill. Because of the, the flexion of the ankle, it puts my hips the same way. I have a harder time going down here or downstairs. I can run uphill up. all day long, but I can no longer run downhill. And so it's those mechanical differences that you alter the plan and alter the training to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. The same way, no squat, two squats are the same, no two bench press are the same, no, no two deadlifts are the same. They may be close, and I realize to the naked eye, an untrained eye, that they all look, they probably all look the same. But I promise you they're not, <laughs> not if you're really paying attention. Um, and honestly, there are some strong and dogmatic opinions, even in powerlifting, about what should be done and what shouldn't be done. Two people we respect a whole lot is uh, Chad Wesley-Smith from Juggernaut. He teaches a knees-over-toes approach to the squat. That's the way he wants it done. He believes that's what generates the most power. Matt Winning is another person that coaches, strictly coaches a vertical shin position. Well, we know now... Based, I mean, just based on this conversation, there are people, Heather Calvert would be a good, good example of that, really, really good squatter. She squats more than most mm -hmm. men in our gym do, okay? Yes. And uh, she has a very knee-over-toe position. It's a high-bar squat. It's a traditional, exactly what you would expect a squat to be. Versus somebody like uh, Dave has a more vertical shin. Josh Smith would be a good example of this because he's a west side guy. Very, very seated backward, very vertical shin position. There's more than one way to skin a cat. And it really is what it comes down to is what can you do to save your body and be the strongest you can be. Just anatomically speaking, I've got a good friend of mine in high school and we posed for football pictures, you know, where you take the knee and we realized he and I are the same height, but I am this much taller than him in the knee. And so when you, you take that into account, when you're putting together, okay, for a squat, now, granted, his thighs are this big around and mine are like this, but it's that difference. You get a whole different range of motion. Sure. You get different leverage points. You get everything is from human to human are going to be different. And so, in just my opinion, every training approach has to be tailored for the person. There is no cookie cutter. There is no one size fits all. It has to be adapted to that individual lifter. I absolutely agree. Yep. I think that the only time really you're looking at like a cookie cutter program is when it's like a brand new person and anything sure. they do is going to result in games. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, that's, that's more about, we, we talked about this before, getting somebody moving. First of all, as a coach, you should never throw somebody, some, somebody new, too many new ideas. Okay, so when you teach a squat, they don't need to know, I want a vertical shin, weights in your heels and your toes and your pinky toe. They don't need to know the tripod. They don't need to know vertical shins. They don't need to know. There's a lot of things. You can keep going and going and going. They don't necessarily need to know. What we need to know is, can we get their feet in good positions? Can they stay balanced? Can they squat to a full range of motion? If they can't, you adjust. You squat to a target. I mean, you've done a lot of that. Mm -hmm. um, there's a million other things you can do. But at the very beginning, is set your feet up correctly, butt back and down. That's the only thing they need to know in the beginning. As we get better as lifters and everything like that, as I get better as a coach, the more I, the better I know you, we can start making adjustments. So your knees hurt, we need a more vertical shin position. You feel weak, sitting your butt too far back, you feel unbalanced, maybe you need a more 
you know, knees over toe position, whatever it may be. But, um, and then that's not even including having a barbell on your back. That's just hip mm -hmm. down yeah. placement. Well, you know, then you start talking about grip width. Talk about do you squat better high bar? Do you squat better high low bar? bar? What's 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 more comfortable for you? And that was a um, long learning curve for me because I used to high bar squat until I eventually figured out how to drop that bar down. And when I did, you know, range of motion is like the bar is already that much lower. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to this <laughs> And but it also comes back to I've got a bad wrist on top of a bad knee. And so I can't get the bar right in here, which kind of limits some stuff. And so my grip is wider, so I have to adjust for being able to accommodate the bar in a low squat and putting my wrist in a weird position. So I have to find what works best for me. So it's like anything else. You eventually figure out, okay, I can high bar, I can't low bar, but I can't. If I high bar, I can do a wide stance. And so you go through all these little combinations and eventually... Um, you, you, even active lifters, I know I do it all the time. I am constantly tweaking something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, even if it's just millimeters a difference of whether my feet are straight forward or you start moving at angles, or maybe I need to move my heels out or something. Well, your body always changes. Yeah. There's, you know, new, you acquire new injuries, new little tightnesses, new little, just strange little nuances and stuff. Um, I mean, me and Nathan, I think pretty much in 2022, both of us had conversations with each other about where we were moving our feet to when we squatted. Or we, I know we've talked a lot about the vertical shin versus the knees, knees forward thing. Um, we've talked a lot about high bar and low bar because both of us had started incorporating high bar back into our programming quite a bit. I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a million, you know, there's a, a million, there's a billion things that go into this. And a, and a cook beyond a certain point, you're absolutely right in the beginning. Beyond a certain point, though, a cookie cutter approach is uh, devastatingly bad. And it is very, 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 very poor coaching to say everybody needs to squat A, B, or C. But, but you have to it. start you know out I mean? that way to see where what you, you want, what you yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there has to be a starting point yeah. for everybody. And then that it becomes a process with. of adapting and changing. And I mean, I started working out when I was 14, and I'm 59 now, so you can do the math. And over that, that period, what I did as a 14-year-old is not what I do now. And yeah. so just the, the, the body mechanics change, um, your knowledge of the sport, of the physiology changes, and you adapt and change and move and tweak, and eventually it's like, this what works for me may not work for you. And You know, too, another, another point me and Nathan's talked about, um, uh, much like music, much like probably your job, it's true in my job as a trainer. Um, it's also true in my job as a small business owner, owner nutrition shop. It's true in powerlifting. It's been true in music for me. Um, the minute you stop learning is the minute you stop progressing. There is an unlimited amount of things to know about the sport. Nobody knows it all. Nobody knows it all. Um, but uh, the the minute you stop seeking those little changes and everything like that is the minute the things. In my opinion, probably start that, getting downhill. That is my job because I'm a teacher. It's what I do. I teach, but I have to learn in order to teach. And everything I'm constantly learning new things about what I teach. Sure. In order for the kids to learn new things and because you get new, you get new questions too. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, day, kids day, are creative, so um, you know, and inquisitive, and you know. So you are the teacher. You are the sensei. 
You are the master. degree. I'll, you are the Yoda of this I've, group. I've made, I've, made this, I've made this point before, and I have a coach now, and I've mentioned him several times, and Ronald Tarvin had a coach in Brandon Allen who's a very good coach too. The best coaches are coached, period. And that's not blowing smoke up my own ass. But uh, I fully – and when I, when I hire a coach, I fully expect them – Good ones always have a coach. I, I was fortunate enough when I was under Brandon, his his coach was Chad Wesley Smith of Juggernaut, who's a legend in powerlifting. So I was kind of indirectly getting, in a way, probably getting Chad's knowledge and programming, you know. But it's not just that. That that means that that guy is willing to continue to learn, not just for his clients, but for himself. And man, that's that's huge, you know. Well, um, and, I, and I think it's human nature too that you know whatever you do, you want to improve on, and you're going to tweak it. Each time, try this. If it works, it doesn't. Well, we'll do something different. And I just think that's human nature. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, it is true. Um, you know, this hip injury. So the groin, that tear, I rehabbed it myself. I had a tear in, in my groin and a, a lower, my lowest, lowest right abdominal. Two places I had a grade two strain in. Rehabbed it myself. This is also part of being, being stupid and also knowing your body and everything like that. I chose to rehab myself, should have gone to the doctor, should have gone to rehab. So that actually led to, what happened was, I set up a ton of arthritis in this hip. Um, and that actually led to the labrum, and my, my current injury, that labrum getting severed by a calcium deposit in my hip from, a, from an injury I didn't rehab properly. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this is always, I mean, it's always a moving target. You always have something to learn. And unfortunately, I learned a lot of shit the hard way. <laughs> and you, I'm about tired of learning. The hardest why, lesson, why, the hardest I have lesson. a bad knee because I didn't rehab it. I didn't learn it. The, yeah. hardest, the hardest lessons learned are the longest remembered. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that, that is the truth. And you bet your ass next time. Now, every time I have a... I, hell, I just started... I just have some elbow tendonitis, which is incredibly common in powerlifting because... Right now, I guess. You know, pressing, pressing hurts it. Uh, low bar squat... You're not low bar squatters. So you may not experience this to the degree that the three of us do. Low bar squats hurt it. Um, you know, any upper body movement hurts it, and it just stays constantly inflamed, and it's an acquired injury. It's not an acute injury. Well, it started up on mine, and I just went ahead and took my ass to the chiropractor, got adjusted, and, and my chiropractor now offers physical therapy. So as soon as I left him, I went to his physical therapist... Mm-hmm. Got laser treatment and heat treatment on it, and uh, I've been doing that once a week, just trying to. Yeah, I know better now. Now to the point that I'm doing preventative medicine, <laughs> like, like you know. So and some of that uh, comes with age. Maybe yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. And then, like I said, some blatant stupidity, yeah. and just knowing I, I damn well know better now. You can't fix stupid. <laughs> can't fix stupid, no. but but uh, but you can get out in front of it a yeah. little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying to do now. Boy, uh, a lot of lessons learned the hard way. Yeah. So, uh, Nathan, you got anything for him for a segue? Yeah. So, I, I have one question I've been thinking about, and it's basically just a segue to another conversation. But for both of you, when do you plan on retiring? From powerlifting? Power yeah. When my body tells me to. I enjoy it now. So, as, as long as I can do it and feel good about it. The thing, as you get older, that powerlifting helps is everyday life things. And, you know, um, I work in my yard a lot. Um, Those sorts of things that, you know, I probably would have hurt my back in the past. 
I don't now because mainly I know how to lift and my back is stronger. So it's just the the things that helps with everyday life that, you know, I'm, I may stop competing in a couple of years, depends on how I feel. But it's, um, as, as long as I feel good, I'll lift. Do you think you'll stay in the gym? Yeah. I mean, I enjoy the the gym environment, the, the interaction with the people that, that's attending the gym. Um, that, that's that's why my 45-minute workouts are an hour and mm. an hour and 15 minutes because I'm talking way too much. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> we're, we're pretty bad when we're yeah. together. Yeah. Me and Nathan got to work out together for the first time in a long time the other day, and it was between sets. We had earbuds out. Yep. Yep. Sending each other memes or, or talking <laughs> about you know what we did that day or whatever it may be. But that's what makes it enjoyable. And yeah, it is. That's why you want to go. I, I, I can tell you as somebody that always works out alone or at least always executes my program alone, um, it's a, uh, it's a little bit of a relief, you know what I mean. Yeah. It makes it, it does make it a lot more palatable. It makes it less uh, tedious uh, and stuff like that. Which you know you should be diligent about time between sets and stuff like that. And uh, God help us when we're in the gym together, we're probably not as diligent about that as we should be. <laughs> um, but uh, but it does seem like, especially you know, if for nothing else, just have somebody to understand exactly what you're going through. Yeah. I was fortunate enough, me and Nate, we didn't plan this. We were in the gym together the other day. I had the heaviest, in terms of volume, I had the heaviest squats of my life. And I told him as soon as I saw him, like, man, I'm glad you Because <laughs> like, I had just about talked myself out of it. You know, I was I just about talked myself out of going to the bottom of my range that I was given mm-hmm. and, and just and just sending it for that day. But just, just seeing him, somebody that understood what I, how I felt, what I was about to go through and everything like that, said, all right, I can fucking do this. You know yeah. what I mean? And that was a, you know, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but that was a 30-pound swing in my day. Yeah, you know, I was given a range from three ninety five to four twenty five, and I did start out a little bit. I think I started out in the middle. I think I started out at four oh five, but I ended at four twenty five. Got the top end of my range, and uh, did you know thirty pounds better than than I had expected. Um, that's undersold, right? Everybody thinks you know standing around with a thumb up your ass, jaw, it's jaw day. It's not gonna work anything, but I mean, it really is an underrated part of the powerlifting community and stuff like that, yeah. to have somebody there that understands, mm-hmm. you enjoy their company, uh, stuff like that, it, it does make you better in a way. It probably does take away from, you know, time between sets and the work that you're doing, but uh, the hell, it, it, you know, when you when you do most of this alo- alone too, it, makes, it does make it a little less tedious and a little less lonely for sure. Yeah. Uh, and we're both in new gyms, so we're experiencing tedious, we're experiencing tedious and lonely at, a, at an <laughs> all-time high, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so it is what it is. How about you, Dave? When do I plan to retire? Well, um, assuming the joints hold together, um, like I say, you can you can continue to compete even at, for as long as you can walk out there, um, even if it's not a PR. Because at this point, with the except, well, I, I won't say I'll never PR again, but um, you know, I did a, a bench PR probably. Close to 20 years ago. And I am close to that. Will I get there again? I don't know. Um, but I plan to compete and do as much as I can do and do it healthily. You know, if I, if I can keep my health, then I'm good. If I get out there and hurt myself, then there's no point in doing this. So I don't plan to ever quit. It's... Uh, 
I mean, if nothing else, it's a good conversation starter. Because you know, <laughs> it, it always seems to come up because I'll see people that I have not seen, especially as you get older. You see people that you haven't seen in 20 years, and they're like, man, you look good. What are you doing? It's like, I'm powerlifting. It's like, and they're expecting, like I say, that, that stereotypical, big, fat, ugly East German guy that powerlifted. <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm powerlifting. And it's like, we look good. And it's like, there's the validation. So yeah. There's part of it. But it's just the day-to-day -day stuff. So, um, and again, I'm always competing against myself. So as long as I can tell myself, I need to get back out there and do this, I'm going to get out there and do this. It's basically what I'm hearing from both of you is that as long as you're healthy, you're yeah. going to do it. Yeah. yeah. And, and like I say, even if it gets to the point where, you know, I'm not squatting 400 or 300, even 200. Like you say, even if I get in there and do the bar, if I am getting some benefit out of that, then it's worth being in there and doing that. Um, and, and, and that's one thing, too, with as you age, be it powerlifting or anything else, is learning your new limitations. Mm -hmm. And I am still at the point that I'm kind of on the upscale of, of my development. But I will peak at some point in time, and I will start regressing. And, and that is where the hard part of aging is understanding, hell, I'm old. No, I can't do what I used to do. But you've never done this amount at this age. That's right. So, so every every so it, technically it is a PR, even though it's not a total weight PR. It's I've never like the old saying goes. I've never been this old before. I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> right. you know, as we get older, you adapt and change. And um, but, but it it sounds cliche, but you don't stop competing because you get old. You get old because you stop competing. I don't doubt that at all. You know, we talked about it, just general public stuff. How many how many men has retirement killed? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, you see, an old man's worked hard his whole life, um, goes home, retires, gets fat, bored, dies of a heart attack in the seventies. Yeah, man, it happens all the time. I mean, it just happened to my uncle. You know, ter terrible situation. You know, he's been retired a couple of years, but um, uh, you know, you just I mean, I'm not saying that you live for work, but you know. Powerlifting is something worth living for. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's, it, it it's is. The it is. It's the carrot and the stick. Yeah, absolutely. If there's, uh, if there's no carrot at the end of the stick, well, what the, the mule stops moving. Yeah, absolutely. Movement is medicine, right? And with these guys that work like that for for a living, that is their movement. And you know, you see, you know, you see it all the time. My granddad, in particular, who was partially retired for for twenty years, still worked part time, and uh, it wasn't you know a year after his full full retirement, he's got dementia and everything starts. Yeah. Now he's lived into his 90s. He's still kicking it now. He actually just survived a pair of heart attacks. Wow. So the man's stubborn and old. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's alive out of spot at this point. <laughs> Something about the Gordon name. We do a lot of things out of spot. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, his, his health really did. No, no, no shit. When, as soon as he quit working full time, it took an immediate. And, you know, with the brain thing, maybe the dementia was inevitable. But all of a sudden, he's not actually having to critically think every day. He's not having to work through problems and solve problems every day and then it got him it jumped on him and it's been you know and if nothing else sense, the, you know the weightlifting is a good stress reliever mm -hmm. because if, if you sure. had a bad day or whatever you go in there and you put your earbuds in and you just you lift heavy stuff and it makes you feel better when it's you not, leave. yeah it's not like yeah. you're going and starting a bar fight right like you can put as much violence into that bar as you want to and nobody can tell you no yeah. <laughs> there is no law against it there is no like 
You can put all your hate and all your rage of the day of your life into that bar, uh, and uh, and nobody can. That's, man, that's powerful though. Yeah. That's a healthy. I, I know for a fact since I've been in the gym, I'm a less angry person. Yeah. In yeah. general, I'm, I'm a lot a lot more calm, a lot more patient, uh, because I know where to put those feelings. Now I have a place to put it. And, you know, I wasn't an athlete before. I'm a lifelong musician, so like I didn't ever have a place to put all that stuff before. And the relief it's provided me has just been, I mean, it's been incredible. So the retirement thing's out of the way. So I have another question for you. Um, and this is, maybe this, nobody's, maybe, you have, maybe you've already thought about this. Maybe it's never been thought about. I don't know. Would y'all consider judging? Now that you're more involved in the sport, you know the community a little bit better, especially as Alabama lifters, like you said, we're kind of starting to see the same faces over and over and over again it takes four meets to compete and you have to i think you have to sit in on two or three to become a judge but i mean i know it's a long day but i mean that's given back to a community that's given to us so i'm just going to take this one first this well time. i've actually considered it okay um, cool because along with my teaching duties i was also a coach i was a track coach I, so i enjoy working with young people in that aspect and you know, training them and getting them to that point of trying to hit their peak performance. And so some of that is also judging because, you know, we do it even when we do the mock meets, we have people that there's somebody's going to call somebody you has to judge. So yeah. there's, and it actually started when we went to that very first meet down in, uh, Wetumpka, Prattville. Um, one of the first people I met was one of the judges there and at, that particular meet, I was working with Lee, who had entered in the Special Olympics category. And for whatever reason, there was another Special Olympics athlete there and just gravitated towards us. So I was actually working with both of them that night. And I was like, this is all right, right here. And one of the other judges approached me and he said, have you thought about going to that next step, which is the coaching. And then with the coaching afterwards, you, you get into the judging part of it. And he said, take a look at that. He said, just what he saw with me working with those two, um, he said, you know, there's a lot of stuff. There's so many avenues to go from here. Um, and so I considered, I mean, I looked at the website and I saw what the qualifications were to become a coach. And then part of that is also being, you know, you, you can get into the judging, which is the next part of it. Yeah. And I thought, you know, there may come a day when, you know, physically I may be sidelined but this would still keep me in the sport. And so, yeah, I would consider judging. I could, I, I've had two two guys in particular come to mind. Is Zach Monteverdi, you know him, bald guy, big beard, all the tattoos, really well-built dude. He's probably a little bit younger than me, mm-hmm. probably yeah. early 30s. Ju- they, those, these two people make me think that judging is coaching because I've watched Zach pull people to the side. You know, you go to the side judge most of the time and see why you got a red light. Mm-hmm. But I have visibly watched him say, this is how you fix this. Come back and do it better. And that is invaluable on meet day. Just calm somebody's nerves. This ain't a big deal. If you do this, you'll be okay next time. And then Charlie Lyons, who throws, he throws a lot of these, he puts a lot of these meets. But he will take time, that minute between lifters, he will take time, pull somebody aside and say, this is what you could do better. You come back this next time. I think he's probably done it to you, done it with you before. If not Charlie, somebody so. has. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's, and uh, that's, you know, that's like, you that's know, like. That's what the judge said to me. I mean, I, after my first lift, 
my first squat, first meet, first everything. And that's when I, he wasn't judging at the time, but he was standing just off the platform. And he mentioned something about my wrist straps and whatnot. And, and it's like just little tidbits of information like that. Because as a judge, he's watching the entire thing, the yeah. entire process. It's not, you know, some coaches will say, okay, I know this guy has a weakness in his left knee or whatever. And so they're, they're focused in on that knee, whereas the judge is watching the entire thing. And, and he may see something that somebody else doesn't. Yep. And so a really good judge, I would imagine, would be a really good coach. Yeah, absolutely. I have no doubt. I think uh, Charlie owns his own gym in the t- yeah. greater Tuscaloosa era, area, Northport or Tuscaloosa 1. Wish uh, to so give a shout out coaches. to Charlie if you're watching. And this is you're the awesome. Re- <laughs> it's, it's, Charlie is the reason that I switched federations. I, I had been involved with another one that will go unnamed. Um, and it seemed like... <laughs> it seemed like there was always something missing, something lacking, something not in place, something out of order. I'm not one of these type A personalities that has to everything, you know, is perfectly aligned, but at the same time, I know disorganization when I see it. And we were seeing a lot of it. And we were seeing a lot of it. Um, even so much so that on the day of one of the meets, I was not even registered. I was not on their list of lifters. And it took phone calls from you and somebody else and back. Yeah, that was the meet that I hosted. Yeah, that was that was that was the the barbells. You know, here's my receipt of where I paid, and so it was just that disorganization. And and my wife is interested in competing also, and so she said, "I want to go see one of Charlie's meets." And we drove down to Northport and watched it, and it was it was this ballet of everything in the right time in the right place and everything was organized and we were in and out of there and everything was just smooth and flawless and i said that's how it's supposed to be as somebody that um, i'm speaking for nathan a little bit in this but i'm confident in this somebody that has coached and competed in several federations uh between the two of us uh charlie's meets are generally they're pretty freaking mint compared to, <laughs> compared to some other Spot things on. yeah Not and uh, mention, just he provided food and water. <laughs> yeah. Like he was like, you don't have to starve. I know you're going to get hungry in the middle of this. Here's some food. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Yeah. He thought, I mean, he, he really does think everything. Gary Brewer is another guy in the USPA. Um, I think he was out of Tennessee, but I think he's living in North Florida now. There's a lot of the South Alabama meets and the greater North, you know, greater Northwest Florida region, basically, whether it's in Alabama or Northwest Florida. Also, a really, really cool guy. I, I think he's the meet director for my meet at Maverick, um, which is going to be at Ron's gym. But, uh, um, would be with Tomka Prattful like like we were before, but um, uh, that's another really really smooth meet. Mm-hmm. And I think that him and I think Gary and Charlie teamed up on the Iron City meet in Birmingham. Yeah, which was with despite the warm up area, which they couldn't control. That has nothing to do with them. Uh, but that was a beautiful meet. Like it was a visually just like the event. The event. It was an event, was, man. Yeah. It wasn't an event. Like having that You're in a concert stage, hall was like. Yeah. That was a pain in the ass as a coach. I can't lie to you. <laughs> I've never been so many places at once. Um, well, you had, like, of, you had a lot of people going on. There. Yeah, I did. I had a lot of people going on. My wife helped me quite a bit. She warmed you up and everything like that. But uh, talk about having to be in a million places at one time. Yeah. That was that day. Yeah. Um, but that was a beautiful meet. It was. It was, uh, it was just, well ran. Um, the venue visually is about the best one you can yeah. do. In terms of actual functionality, it wasn't. But that has nothing to do with the way it was ran. It was ran pretty yeah. pretty superb too, to be honest. And they did really well with the, what they had to work with. 
So what about you? Would you be a judge? No. No. <laughs> and and things could change, but as of right now, no. It's a hell of a long day. Those guys work it's, a lot harder than they probably get credit for. Oh, oh they do. And and I, I'm probably too empathetic with the lifters that I couldn't be consistent judging. That's a fair judgment of yourself. You know what I mean? That's that's probably. Uh, I don't think a lot of people would be. A lot of people would be too proud to admit that. Probably. Um, I feel like I, we've. You know, there are various meets across several federations. To be fair, we felt like there was some home cooking, mm-hmm. and that's because people aren't honest about. Yeah. About stuff like yeah. that. Um, I don't know as a lifter that if I was at a US a USPA meet, I don't know that I would feel good about you judging my flight. Yeah, you know what I mean, and, and it's he, not because and, I don't think I could be do it right. justified in that. Yeah, I don't. Th- but but I, you know, I, I don't. I don't. But I don't want to. We were talking about this part of competition is I don't want a. I don't want a free ride. Right. If the squat was high, tell me it was high. Yeah. You know, I want to know for my own ride that it was what it needed to be. You know what I mean? Like you're not doing anybody any favors. Right. Really, by by lying to them. Um, so I think that's pretty. It's pretty admirable that you're willing to admit that you're too yeah. empathetic. You know, to to judge correctly. And I, I think I'd be a little, little inconsistent. You're too deep in the USPA now. Yep. Um, would you judge? Maybe. Uh, Maybe. I don't. I don't. I don't feel like I have the same problem as you. I'm. I'm pretty like. I'm pretty straight. Yeah, he's pretty black and white. He's pretty honest um, with me about my shit. Yeah. If yep. if I see something wrong, I'm gonna I'm gonna point it out. So I I don't think I'd have a problem there. I guess. Maybe if I wasn't competing anymore, right? Because that's that's yeah. You know, I can think of a hundred people: uh, Tammy Mims, Ron, um, uh, what's the gentleman's name that does the nutrition coaching and stuff? Uh, shorter dude. I'm trying to think of his his name, uh, but Zach Monteverdi is another lifter, mm-hmm. active lifter. Um, Charlie, still, yeah. I, mean, I think he holds the Alabama state record for deadlift in his weight really? class. Yeah, he has a monster deadlift. Um, I'd say Timmy Mims. I mean mm-hmm. uh, Heidi uh, from Futurist Female Power, uh, Podcast mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, there's a lot of active, very active lifters that judge. So um, for me, it would just... Gary and his wife are both judges. You know, you know. So, um, so what, what was your justification for that though? Before I cut you off, for me, it would just be the time I would have to commit to it. Right? Yeah, that's hard. Because for me, my business would get in my way. Like yeah. if, if it wasn't for the time that I'd have to commit, I don't think I would have a problem with judging. I think it, I, I probably would enjoy it. And like you said, that like everyone has said, really that aspect of coaching would actually be enjoyable because you could talk to a lifter and be like, hey, I noticed this. This is why you got a red light and this is how you fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, was it Dustin Green? Isn't he Dustin Reed. Reed. He's a great about that. He, like, I got red light on my deadlifts. No idea why. No idea what I did wrong. He, he, I, I walked over to him. Uh, Zach Marstiller was in front of me, and he said, go to your side judges. I don't know what happened. I looked over at Dustin, and he said, you had soft knees. Flex your quads. You'll be fine. And I said, great. Okay, I was, I was a little flustered. Yeah, by God, you got that third deadlift. Yeah, I got <laughs> yeah. that third deadlift. I made sure my, my quad reflects, and everybody white-lighted me. Everything was good. So that aspect of it would be enjoyable because I, I feel like imparting that knowledge is just enjoyable. If you're willing to take the time to do that, you do have the ability to make or break somebody's day. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because I know for a fact, if you go out there and miss that third deadlift, it may have been a good day, but it would not have been the day that Nathan wanted. Yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, that, that little bit of, and I'm not saying that he was the difference because I know you were plenty strong enough to pull that third deadlift, mm -hmm. but like that little bit of confidence though, him, him not addressing it like you were too weak for it, but yeah. like him just saying, Hey, this was just a technical issue. Do this. It's done. Like that instills confidence in somebody. Right. Especially at, at that, for the SPF, that was a major meet. Mm -hmm. I mean, that yeah. was their biggest meet of the year. And, uh, um, that was a global event mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, to him to take the time to, to teach you through that. I mean, that's an awesome thing. Dustin's an awesome dude. Yeah. Um, and I didn't mean to overlook him. I was kind of thinking about USPA right. judges, to be fair. But D Dustin's a good example of what mm -hmm. I'm talking about, though, for sure. Um, I haven't got enough meets under my belt to coach. You have to have at least four. Uh, y'all so total across all federations? In uh, the USPA. Oh, okay. Um, so, obviously, I haven't done it because I haven't even put a total together yet. So, um, But I think I've if done, I... I've done one. Yeah, well, all you, my others have been the other federation. The other federation. <laughs> yeah, you're close. Yeah, you're close. Um, the, the the closest one is the one that doesn't want to do it. Yeah. The uh, you know, I think that if I got to that point, that I I would probably try. I don't know because of time, how much would be realistic. And now as I as I get older, um, as business settles down and stuff, maybe maybe I would do it. Um, not pat myself on the back, but I, I my whole life is powerlifting, whether it be through the nutrition store or through personal trainer or something like that. So I'm at risk of sounding arrogant or prideful or anything else. I, I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I do enough for the sport, but I feel like I am doing all I can for it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't feel like that's an itch I have to scratch yet, to be fair. Well, hell, the reason why I'm powerlifting is because you said, hey, you should powerlift. Not, the, the amount of peer pressure I have put on a lot of people, <laughs> um, and I and just just a, a little bit on that, I've heard people say, "Well, I feel like he forces that on people, and he forces it." And I was just like, "He doesn't force." No, I don't. I've never, I've never said, I've, I've never said to anybody, "You have to be a powerlifter." Yeah. Um, I have some general fitness clients. I promise you, would tell you that that didn't get forced on mm -hmm. them. Um, I'll, but I'll tell you this though, as a coach, you can tell if they're willing to if they're willing to put in the work, and also if it's something they're going to enjoy. There's some people. Man, I had a I had a girl that uh, was one of the most stupid, strong people I've ever seen before in my life, and she just didn't like it. That's, but I knew that. Mm -hmm. I never said, "Hey, you need to be a powerlifter," because I knew she just didn't strong, like yeah. it. You know, she liked squatting because she was really good at it. Bench press she was mad about. She hated deadlifting. Didn't want to deadlift. All right. You're not a powerlifter. That's fine. Right. We'll keep training you. That's good. I mean, it doesn't, you know, people, I think people tend to forget that 75% of my clientele is general fitness. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a personal trainer, that is what pays your bills. Right. You know, I've trained people for 5Ks, for obstacle course racing, uh, gotten kids ready for the military, gotten them ready for football, got them ready for basketball, done all kind of sports-specific tra training away um, from powerlifting, I've coached bodybuilding now with Elizabeth. Like, you know, you ain't got to be anything you don't want to be. Mm -hmm. um, I have had people that I have encouraged to do it. Uh, you being one of them, um, Dave being another. Um, that uh, you know, I have encouraged to do it because I saw something in them that makes me think that hey, <laughs> you could be good at this. I think the um, only thing you saw in me was my bench press because everything else was shit. <laughs> no, 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 but to be honest with you, even even when you even when you were small, though, I mean, you had uh, built up quite a bit of upper body strength, and were you you had the 
physique for the role. Like it was easy to see where you could go. And also I knew too that you could gain a lot of weight and not be very much fat because you had a lot of weight to gain, mm -hmm. to be fair. I mean, that's, and that's not me picking on you um, by no means, but the, a thinner profile person is always that, that loves the gym is always top of my radar because it's so easy to feed them, make them lift weights. It's a little, it gets a little bit more hairy, a little bit more complicated when you have somebody that's overweight that is constantly battling in their head. I want to look like this. Or I want to be this strong, and they're mm -hmm. bouncing back and forth between the two. Because there is, I know that myself. Because there's a lot of sacrifice, strength, strength wise, for losing weight and stuff. You just just yeah. learn that oh, yeah. for the first time. Yeah. Uh, being smaller is not necessarily beneficial. It can help you get in better positions and stuff. So there is a point of diminishing returns in terms of weight gain. But um, but you know, I, I never just like force anybody to it. If, if I feel like they could be good at it, I'd definitely mention it. Um, but Steve, Steve, can't, you can't. That was this was your idea, right? That's Largely right. powerlifting. Yeah, well, you you kind of spurred it on with the record comment. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, after that, I was all. But it's not like me and you sat down and said, "Yeah, I really want you to be a powerlifter." Yeah, you know what no, I mean. No, like, yeah, and you know, and it got to a point though because I did have several people come to me that were good at it. It got to a point that people were coming to me specifically for that. Mm -hmm. So if those people have ever said, "This is all he does," that's well, that's what you came to me for. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've had... Uh, Not that he said it, but yeah. Austin Blair came to you for powerlifting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. I mean, but Austin was a powerlifter. Austin right. knew that in his heart he was a powerlifter. Mm -hmm. Austin talks he, about all the time about looking like this or wanting to be a bodybuilder or this, that, and the other. or want that. But, uh, but Austin is a powerlifter through and through. He is not going to die. You can, and he has told any, me he any, is any, die. any stranger on the planet can talk to Austin for 30 seconds and say, that's what this guy is. Yeah. Right? I mean, and he, he probably is, you know, he's the best one out of all of this. And he's, uh, yeah. his attitude is pure, pure power literature, like straight out of West side, pure <laughs> power literature. Like that is, he eats, he sleeps and breathes it. Like, uh, mm -hmm. he cares deeply about it, whether he, uh, Write some workouts off on, or not? He uh, it it matters to that man. I promise. Like, um, so I, I, you know, I've never I've never forced anybody into doing it. I think the confusing thing about people is, I believe in compound movements. So while you might not be a power lifter, you are going to squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press, pull ups, dips. Compound movements are going to happen with me. Well, that's the gold, regardless of that's what. That's the gold standard of pretty much any workout. You are going to do compound lifts. Yeah, absolutely. You might and do if it. If you do bench, squat, and deadlift. You might do it on a kettlebell, but you're going to squat, bench, deadlift, period. Um, there's some general fitness clients. Uh, uh, Nikki, to the t into her tenure with me, I was teaching her how to do the Olympic lifts mm -hmm. because she was interested in it. She did compete in a powerlifting event, but she was very clear that I don't necessarily want to do this forever. I just want to check this box, and we'll move on to the next thing. And that was fine. I was good with it. But we did 100 different things. She came to me originally for obstacle course racing. We trained her for powerlifting. We trained her for Olympic lifting. We did, you know... She did everything she wanted to do with me, and I never told her no. She's interested in fighting now, which is outside of my scope of of, of practice. But more power to her. I mean, she's she's a hell. She's, everybody she, knows her. She's an animal. She's gonna yeah. be she, terrifying if she learns how to fight. Uh, oh yeah, Jesus. Do you ought to see her just just work a bag since I throw? I mean, I, I've had some basic boxing lessons, so I took some time just to throw, teach her how to throw a punch. Mm -hmm. And she is terrifying on a heavy bag. <laughs> she she is she she does that with some fury, man. Yeah. <laughs> like she she absolutely does. Um, she's that's an amazing lady. Yeah. But I've never forced anybody into it. I think it's just my coaching style, and that, mm. like I said, we were always going to prioritize compound movements first. 
Yeah, and the two, I think that since you already had some clients who were doing some power lifting and doing competitions, that kind of was a magnet for some because there were a couple ladies that went to Brentwood that you, you wouldn't think of them as power lifters. No, you don't look at either one of those girls. Now, they are, I think they are through and through now. Yeah. Uh, they, they're, they're baptized in the blood. <laughs> but they're, so, um, I mean, I they got that competition under the belt, and it, they got it. Yeah, they got it. But, you know, to be fair, uh, Kayla did come to me specifically for powerlifting. Uh, Morgan came to me hoping to get stronger for her job. She's in the Army full-time. Uh, and and she did decide on her own, I really like this. Yeah. But, again, even training people for the Army, I mean, you may have some runs that you have to go do for me. But outside of that, we're doing compound lifts, buddy. Like, yeah. you know, that's, uh, I mean, it just is what it is. Um, either one of those girls could come to me tomorrow and say, I want to shift gears. I want to do this, and we can do that too. Um, you'd be surprised about how much powerlifting knowledge you can gain from not powerlifting. Things that translate directly to powerlifting, uh, general fitness things. Uh, for instance, Ron knows this. I've known this for a long time. But Ron, at the beginning of my plan with him, had me doing box jumps for the first time in forever. As a as a powerlifter, I thought that was behind me. There's direct carryover to your squat and stuff. That like uh, every day. Before I squatted, warmed up with three sets, eight on box jumps, ascending height if I could, if I could you know, as tall as I could do it. My fat ass ain't done that forever, but there is direct carryover to that general fitness stuff. Um, so honestly, in a lot of ways, teaching other things has helped me a lot in powerlifting. Aerobic capacity, um, that's something that's underrated in powerlifting. I have watched some of the kids I've trained for, one comes to mind, I trained him to go for the Air Force, and my goal for him was... Basic training is already going to be hard. Let's do the best we can to take the physical aspect of it being hard away so you can just focus on the mental aspect of this. Well, we're going to make you, you're going to be the freaking Terminator before you go to basic training. And by and large, that's what we did. And uh, and he was really successful at Ian could have turned around and been a power lifter as soon as he got through basic training and been really successful at it. Um, the amount of reps he could do under heavy weight because of that aerobic capacity that he had built getting ready for the Air Force, I knew when I witnessed that from him, not a powerlifter, that this is something my powerlifters could benefit from. And I'm, it's not uncommon. I haven't done it with you guys, but it's not uncommon for me to program, uh, especially for my bigger lifters, people my weight and heavier, to say, hey, you got to do 15 minutes of steady state cardio immediately after you know your lift or immediately before or whatever it may be. But there's a lot of ways to manipulate that. Um, I've started using plyometrics again because of Ron. Uh, started using a lot of push-ups. I haven't really incorporated box jumps and stuff, but there is a lot of that general fitness stuff that translates to what we do. Me and Nathan in particular just spent much of the year, even before he uh, prepped for November, um, we spent much of the year bodybuilding. What we've learned is bodybuilding is a little easier on our joints. We can put a lot of muscle on. Um, we can still do all the things we love, squat, bench, and deadlift, but it doesn't have to be terrifyingly heavy. And we can get better, even being a little easier on ourselves and focusing on leaving with a good pump, uh, addressing some weaknesses, and uh, and leaving. And y'all see that in y'all's programming. Y'all have all those individual, you have a lot of unilateral things, um, you have a lot of um, individual muscle group things. Those things carry over, man, to everything that we do. Chasing rabbits. Turn this back up now. <laughs> Y'all got anything to add? Any wisdom to impart? 
only thing I would say would be if you know, power lifting or not, um, regardless of your age, especially if you're older, do something. I mean, just get out and start moving. Um, like I say, I didn't start out to be a power lifter at 60 years old, but, um, but just to be able to get out and, and it, it makes my life easier as I go day to day, but you know, you got to start somewhere and you don't have to, you don't have to power lift. You just need to do something. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. Ready for the philosophical moment yeah, of the let's, evening? Yeah, let's go. Um, it's, I kind of buy into the idea that, you know, I, I've never had a midlife crisis, but I always find something else to motivate me to get me to the next stage. And for me personally, I just, I feel like I'm not that old, but I'm older than a lot of people. And I feel like I'm running out of time. And so my life, I want to live like I'm running out of time. Um, so here's the, the philosophical moment. Um, one of my favorite poems, a guy by the name of Dylan Thomas wrote a, um, a poem, um, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And so that's, that's where I am. It's like... I don't want to be one of these old people that's broken down and just just existing. I want to live. And so in order to do that, powerlifting is just part of that. Because it's a, it's a small community, but it's a group of people with a specific purpose. And it's not for everybody. And so I'm, I'm saying that I'm in this group so that I can say I'm not like everybody else. And I want to do something that other people don't think is possible. And so I want to be that example and just say, I'm not giving up. And so you asked me about retiring. I'm not, I don't plan on retiring. I'll, I'll die one day and that's when I'll retire and from everything. But until then, I'm going to rage against the dying of the light. I'm going to fight this thing to the very end. That's good. That's good shit. Yeah, that is, that's really good. That's a clip. That is a clip. Yeah, you got your, you got your TikTok clip off that one. That's it. You might not need to use it. I mean, that might be too much, too close to the end right there to uh, take advantage of. Um, no, that's really, that's really, really good stuff, y'all. That's. Uh, I think it's given me a lot to think about. Um, there's parts, and not to get too deep. Me and me and Nathan have talked a lot about our mental health on that. Um, despite me being young. Um, but because of my poor mental health, uh, I can identify with that because day to day, I feel like I'm already fighting that. Um, and that's, you know, there's, there's, I know I realize part of the part, part of that's sad, but that's also what keeps me here. Yeah. You know, that, 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 that truly is. So that's and definitely there, something there that resonates so with me. There are people that, that check out because they don't have anything for tomorrow. You know, the part of you talked about retirement when you retire you always once people have nothing they give up and so i'm you gonna have that sense of worth or yeah. to purpose to, to keep going you've yeah. got to get up sense and have something to do the next day even if it's you can't go through life not enjoying life i'm not to say that you know some people uh live fast die young leave a good looking corpse now that doesn't work 
The idea is to live a full life to the very end and be something, be the judge, be the coach, be the something to somebody else. But the only way to do that is to do it yourself. And that's like people say, well, you know, it's Monday. I hate Mondays. I love Mondays. You can't get to Friday unless you go through Monday. That's right. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really, really good perspective because everybody in the workforce, you know, I work, y'all know I've, I've worked seven days a week for most of my adulthood. Y'all, y'all have witnessed it. You know, y'all have been firsthand. Y'all have been a part of that. Um, that's never, that's part that's never phased me, right? Like, because I do feel like work, especially the type of work I do, that is, I mean, it is my purpose to try to help people, right? Um, I found this thing called powerlifting and it's, it works. And we all happen to be pretty good at it. Y'all follow plans well. I can write a plan well. Um, but um, to be given an opportunity every day to help somebody else, that is that is something absolutely 100% worth living for. Um, I, can, I can tell you that wholeheartedly. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty powerful. It definitely has changed my life for the better. And you have to do Mondays because that's bench press day. That's international <laughs> bench press day is Mondays. So Every other week for me, uh, alternate squat day or, or bench press. Whatever day, day is, shoulder on. day is the day I skip. No. That's, that's the reason he's never going to be a coach. That's all <laughs> that. Because all his, all his, all his clients are going to have pressing problems because they don't want to hit shoulders. I've learned to appreciate <laughs> shoulders. I love shoulders now. Both of y'all, I mean, so, you know, I, I know we're, we're trying, trying to wrap things up here. But put, putting yourself in my shoes, and you don't have to elaborate on this too much, but if you were going to do it, Tammy's a good example of this, right? So Tammy was my first client ever. She was my first client ever, general fitness, and then my first powerlifting client. Um, she started coaching late in life. She was in her mm -hmm. 60s when she started coaching. So I guess it, it, we asked the judging question. Even if it, for, if it was to one person, even if it wasn't 40 or 50 people like I've done, is that something that would check a box for you guys? I've already checked that box. With the teaching and the, and the track, track, track and stuff? Well, I mean, that, just working with Lee. Lee. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Lee, Lee's a, man, Lee, when he has a goal, he's a hard worker. That's right. He is. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a really, he, really he good had, dude. He had never done it before. And we, me and you both have a unique experience in that we've both worked with Lee, um, you more so than I have, because he, he's with you outside of the gym quite a bit. Um, but then I had Brittany, um, there is something really, really, really special about working with a special needs person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it is, uh, and it's, it's not in a dumb way. Like, no. people will think I'm saying, saying this uh, in a derogatory manner, but I'm not. How simply they look at life yeah. is beautiful. Yeah, we well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is it, the things that stress them out versus you know the things that make them happy is so. It's like the things that stress us out versus the things that make us happy is just a huge wide spectrum of things, and depending on the day, they may even overlap. But for these people, they you know they have a very 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 small okay. idea of what. Mm -hmm. They're never, they're never, but one or two things away from being happy. You know? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, then that's just uh, the feeling you get being around somebody like that. 
Uh, they're actually really, really wise in a way they probably don't even know, understand, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, because they, uh, th everything is new, everything's beautiful, everything's like perfect for them. I know Lee in particular, you know, he acquired his situation. That's, you know, that's unfortunate. Um, while it takes him a minute to process things, that is not a dumb man <laughs> in any no, 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 shape, no, form, or fashion. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I know that people don't people don't understand that, but man, they have a lot of wisdom to impart, and a lot of uh, him and Brittany both. Uh, man, there's just awesome people, life changing people to work mm -hmm. with. It, it really will working with either one of them one time will change your whole perspective on life. It's a it's an amazing experience. So I will say this to anybody watching, if you have an opportunity to volunteer with special needs people of any kind, um, you should do it because it will change the way you look at all of life in an instant. For sure. But coaching outside of that ever? Uh, yeah, I'd consider. Yeah. I mean, you have the knowledge. I'm, I'm, I'm confident in that. Yeah. So, I know you've talked uh, to Brian a little bit. Brian a key thing. Kind of well, like I mean, fixed I used, a couple of things. Yeah. With and I, I used to work at a gym years ago. Yeah. And I was never, I thought about getting certification, but the capacity of my job, I was working around people all day, every day. And it got to where it was like, okay, I'm not, and I would tell them point blank, it's like, we have personal trainers you can hire. If you're not financially where you can do that, I can't train you but I can help you. And so that's the avenue I took is, you know, I'm, I'm not here to give you a specific program, but I'm gonna pass on to some knowledge that I have that I got from somebody else. Um, I was fortunate years ago. I, I don't know if you know Chris Reynolds. I don't, um, I don't think so. He was in the Navy and his job was a power lifter. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I started working out with him years ago and learned so much from him. And now I'm able to pass some of that on. Um, and that's, to me, you know, whether I'm teaching in the classroom or coaching track or whatever else I'm doing, helping people, it's like that passing on that knowledge is, is the, that's the, that's the it, big, as, big, that's, big, That's one of those things almost like the competition. That's not a need that you knew you had until you've taught. And right. then you're like, there is something special but it also, and I've always told people, no matter what it is you're teaching, if you're teaching it, you have to learn it first. Absolutely. And if you don't know it, you can't teach it. And so as you teach, you figure out things and you add that in. And so teaching and coaching is a constant learning process. New technique, new nutritional stuff, new whatever, new equipment, and you incorporate that into your into your coaching and your teaching, which makes you a better coach and makes them a better athlete or whatever skill you're teaching. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of great wisdom has been shared. You got anything to add to that? Mm, not really. I, but I do think I'd like to coach. Well, you should. I think uh, you mentioned something earlier that I think makes or breaks a coach. Um, and I have it to a fault to the point that it keeps me up at night. But uh, being an empathetic person, being able to identify with somebody um, in their situation, uh, for me, the reason why I have a lot of successful weight loss clients is I have been the fat kid. I've also been this, I've been on the opposite of the spectrum and I have been the skinny kid because of eating disorders and whatnot. So like, um, and as a power lifter, there's a whole new element of empathy you develop because 
I've been injured. I've been on the platform before. I've coached other people through it. Like I know how a meet day works. I know how you gain all this knowledge and you be you come, become more empathetic for something. Um, if you have a deep understanding and care for people, um, you can absolutely be a coach. And I would, I would encourage it, um, even if it's just one or two people, um, if you could get a group of guys or girls around your age or hell, it doesn't matter if they're 19 years old. If you, if you can get around people that are willing to learn, um, and you can impart some wisdom that checks off a box. Like I said, and I know you taught at Wallace, Mm -hmm. I can imagine, and no offense, but I can imagine coaching a college class is probably a little bit different than coaching a high school class. I, I, you have adults that are probably yeah. a little less malleable. You know, I, teach, like, I teach college as well. Oh, yeah, I know you do that too. But you, you can probably speak on that then, right? Like, there's people that need help in college, obviously. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but by and large, you're dealing with an adult person that's probably made up their mind about things. And uh, it's not as impressionable necessarily. Well, see, as I, I got the best of both worlds because while I was teaching at college, I was teaching dual enrollment. So these were high school students. I was teaching college. That's fair. So yeah. you can see that where the two worlds come but, together. But again, too, you know, you're, you are teaching um, versus what you're doing now. Yeah. You're teaching a kid that if they're in dual enrollment, they at least care enough to go and get a college degree right. in advance. People you're dealing with now might not even know that that's an option or that they're capable of that. But that's, you know that's I mean? the thing about whether it's teaching or coaching or whatever else. It's finding, uh, meeting the individual where they are. Yeah. And then once you've meet them where they are, then you take them to where they want to be. Absolutely. And so yep. whether it's coaching or teaching or even semi-coaching or just, you know, an encouraging word on the platform at a meet or something, that's the essence. I guess that's the essence of who I am, which is why I'm a teacher, why I want to be a coach, why I consider being a judge, because it's giving and imparting that wisdom and knowledge yeah, onto somebody It's else. so powerful. It does so much um, as the teacher. There's other, you know, it, it happens as a student too. But as a teacher, there is so much self-worth and confidence that comes from knowing enough about something to be able to pass that something on. Like it's not necessarily, it's not really, it's not really an ego thing even. It's just, uh, it's just, it really is a degree of fulfillment nobody understands until they've done it. And I have mm -hmm. been accused of being arrogant just for the sheer fact that I have enough confidence in myself. People assume that is, as arrogance, and it's, it's no, it's a quiet confidence that I know who I am. You said it when you said I couldn't be a judge because I have too much empathy. That's knowing who you are, and that's that strength of character. And that goes along with what we're talking about here, this powerlifting stuff. You're building the person physically, you're building the person mentally, and you're building the character of the person who's willing to learn and take instruction. So it's a, you know, it's a fantastic, to sum it up, it's a fantastic sport. So if you're new to the sport or thinking about getting into it, do it. Just take that step into the pool and, and experience what we've been talking and, about. And reach out. To me or any of these guys, because I mean, they have wisdom to impart. Because most of our limitations are our own limitations. Right. Right. That's where you've gotten more out of me than I could ever gotten out of myself because I didn't think I could do it. Yeah, and Ron's doing the same thing with me post injury. Like you, do, you don't know if you'll ever be able to do certain things again. And now I'm doing above and beyond yeah. what I was doing. Um, and there is there's a confidence that has to be built in me that remains to be seen yet. Um, but, uh, 
but yeah, there's there. It's a powerful thing to be able to see something in somebody that they don't see themselves yet. Right. And uh, I have had I have had people that you have to teach to fight. Yeah. But everybody's got it in them somewhere. Whether you had to piss them off or love them to death, whatever it may be, somebody's got something in them that's going to make them fight. And you do <clears> it, <throat> even though you're not. You know, there's a lot of times I've watched you lift, and your training and your diet and the way you do things, once you've set your mind to it, you do it. And I think, man, if I could only do that. So even though you're not aware of it, people are watching you. And, you know, he's the coach. He's the focal point. But people are watching you as well. And so you are teaching and coaching whether you know it or not. And you are teaching and coaching whether you know it or not. And all of us just doing what we're doing, people are paying attention. And so it may be this person on the other side of the gym that is like, that looks very interesting. Why is that group, they act differently than the group that's over here. And so they're intrigued by that. And so we're, we're teaching, we're coaching. And, and that even goes to giving an encouraging word. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, that in the it's a strength of character that comes with yeah. learning, building, being absolutely better people. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing what we do. It really is. See, I took us and went way deep on the... That's all I said. Like, that's good. I like what, what I heard him say was power, powerlifters are better people. <laughs> that's what well, I heard. I think, <laughs> I think, I think uh, in a more simple sense, you can, you can say, and I believe this because of all the therapy and self-help and stuff that I have to do um, and working on myself, people with goals, goal-oriented people are better people. And I think that there's, how many men do y'all know that give up on physical fitness after their second child? Bunch. I mean, there's people my age that are completely done with their athletic career. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'll, I'll tell you why this is short-sighted is what they don't know is they say, well, I don't have time. I have to be do this, this, and this for the kids. But what it does, what the gym does do, whether you're a powerlifter or not, is it's adding time to the end of your life. You're more likely to enjoy your golden years if you're not in a nursing home and you're able to take care of yourself. If you're not a burden to your children, you get to be with your grandkids. You get to be with your great grandkids. You get to see things you wouldn't have got that your peers won't get to see because they're going to be in some stinky old nursing home somewhere. Um, uh, And that's that's a sad thing. People don't realize that the decisions they make now does affect them 40 years from now. And it's... uh, as, uh, from from parents especially, I see Elizabeth was a good example of that. She recognized early and often that if she is willing to work on her now, she has more time to give her son later. Um, and there's uh, there I think there's a quality about being in the gym and about physical fitness that people say this is a selfish thing, but it's not. Uh, you, you spoke about making it your day to day life easier. If you throw your back out in the garden, working in your yard. Well, you're no good to the family at that point. You become at that point you do you do become a burden to somebody. When I tore my groin, Sandy had to dress me. Sandy would never admit to me being a burden in that moment, but you know that you are. You know, you know what I mean. Like that's what you're saving yourself from on the big end. Oh, yeah. um, and that's uh, you know people tend to be short sighted about it, and that's sad. But uh, I do think goal oriented people, like I said, probably are a little bit. Not maybe not necessarily better people. I think everybody's got it in them, but they are they are definitely on a better track. So let maybe me, more successful. Let me. Well, ask, they're definitely more successful. Let me for ask sure. the yeah. question then: What is your goal? When is your next competition? That's unfortunate because I don't have one right now. Mm. 
But but we had a conversation about this earlier. Tell them what your goal is, because I know what it is already. What was my goal? You want to enjoy the gym again. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, I did say that. Yeah, you you because, want to get to the point that you're in love with what you're doing again. Because powerlifting prep takes so much out of you mentally and physically and makes it really, really hard to go back in and want to be there. And that's how I've felt. I've, I feel like I've talked about that. I think I talked about it when Albert was here. That was the day that you were you were coaching. Burnout's real. Yeah, yeah and uh, definitely hit me really hard very recently. So getting back in there and like trying to enjoy it again is a challenge. But I feel like I'm getting there, especially being able to go in and kind of like the way I built my plan, I, I enjoy it more because I get to do things that I like to do. And not, I don't necessarily have any goals because it's not like, oh, I have to bench this number. I have to squat this number. You're it's there because like, you want to be there. I'm there to do better than I did last time I was there. And, you know, not you versus you, but just to progress. That That's why I'm there. And I did see that guy over there squatting 505 for five. And I was like, man, once I could do that and I can't do that now. So it's kind of like puts you in that. I want to get back. Those kind of things, that. seeing those kind of things is, is what makes you thirsty again. Yeah. Though. And, and and say uh, that day's coming for me. Yeah, you know, I mean, there, there's power in that too. But I mean, I, I would say with anything, whether it's your job or for me, sometimes life in general, um, the gym uh, burnout just happens. It does. Um, discipline will carry you through burnout um, if you're willing to have it and you're willing to establish it early and often. Um, and it's human. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Um, you know what the big picture is. Um, you have life changes happening, and you know that those big, the big picture, a bigger, better, healthier you is important. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's um, a goal. That is a goal. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it doesn't. That's you know, it doesn't matter why the goal is there. Um, but I'm telling. I mean, goal-oriented people are. They are more successful. So what? What? When's your next one? Uh, um, we we talked just before we came on here. Um, you said you came up short on came, your came to get you qualifying for nationals. Short so. For nationals, so um, I'm probably looking at first of May. Doing Iron City again? We kind of spoke on that. Yeah, that's such and, a great meet. And and probably you know piddle around for another couple of weeks and then get serious and have at it. There you go. I'm shooting for July. Yep, nationals, right? Yeah. Where is nationals this year? Is it uh, Orange Beach? Yeah. Boy, it, it sure is nice to have nationals local, isn't it? Well, local, uh, what, six hours? But well, it's, but it's close in, enough. In, in the state, and it's yeah. a lot better than it being on the West Coast or you know, Upper East Coast. That was the other option. Las Vegas was one. Uh, that'd be a fun vacation. That would be. That'd be. That's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could spend a lot of money real <laughs> quick in Las Vegas. I have done it. Yeah. Like life changing amounts of money really quickly. <laughs> It what is what it is. What have you got? Uh, yeah, so I, I think uh, we've talked about it on the podcast. Y'all might not know, but I'm competing um, with Ronald Jarvin right now as my coach. I'm competing at his meet at uh, Maverick Barbell on March 4th. Uh, I think it's hosted. I think I think I said Gary Brewer is the yeah. is the organizer for that event, so I'm excited about it. And then uh, I need to get registered for this, but I'm doing the summer shredding events bodybuilding show that Elizabeth did. And October, September, October, November, somewhere like that. Cool. So, uh, it's a big year for you. It is going to be a big year for me. A lot of changes. A lot of um, for me, it's it's about just proving to myself that I can do it. So, making the swap from powerlifting to bodybuilding is, albeit temporary, it's important for me to learn 
control of myself. And that's what it's about. Um, just, just bettering myself and being disciplined enough to do, to maintain a goal and stay on that path. Powerlifting is not necessarily easier. We, we know that that grind sucks. But bodybuilding specifically requires a discipline that I just do not have. And that it, it all for me, it all revolves around food. Yeah. And honestly, I don't care if I place. I don't care if I win. All I know is I'm going to Texas. I'm going to get a spray tan and take my shirt off in front of a lot of people. <laughs> and I'm going to be proud of whatever result it is. That's my only goal for there that. You go. So well, There you go. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's it. And yours. Yeah. 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 Nationals, yep. Nationals, Nationals in July. We all got big years. It'll be a good year either way. It will be. My year won't be big in fitness, but it'll be a big year. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. Very important one. Yep. And then I'll, I'll turn 60 in October, and then I'm going to chase your records. <laughs> Boy, we've got to step it up. Don't I, need, <laughs> I need to fatten up. You want to come up to 275 with me? Yeah. Get up to. I'll probably be 308 in March, let's be honest. I'm probably not going to make that 275. Yeah, it's going to be a water cut. Yeah, no, well, me and Ron's talked about it, and we're we're not um, unless I can lose it gradually and easy. We're not going to worry about it. So, That's and, it. I, and I, it does take it does take some pressure off me, especially knowing what I'm doing later in the year. Um, uh, I'm going to have all the pressure I need to lose weight. Yeah, on starting March 5th. So, um, there's no reason if I'm not there, I'm not there. Austin will just have to beat me in dots, which <laughs> he he will do. Yeah. <laughs> And I just need to fatten up to get out of your weight division. Well, I'm your 220 right now, right? No. 220 class? No. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're 220, 220 class. Yeah. I'm in the 198 right now. Okay. So we're Stay still... the hell there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I want to say well we're on camera. Thank you guys for having us. Yeah. It was yeah. so much enjoyed fun. It just uh, been fun. You guys have imparted a lot of wisdom and we appreciate it. We do have one last order of business. We do it all the time. And you guys. Every time. We do it every time. Every time. We do it. Uh, we, we do sing, this every we time. We sing kumbaya. And no, we do not do that. Yeah. We're power lifters. <laughs> um, we sing master of puppets. I'm kidding. Um, uh, but uh, we have dad jokes. Dad jokes. Dad jokes needs to be needs I to be feel like Dave one. is prepared already. <laughs> Dave is. How, how many? How many? I got like an hour. Before, so we'll we just, don't have that much time. But but, but spit them out. Let's see them. Okay. I, my 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 go to joke. And it's it's short and sweet. Let me tell you a joke about a broken pencil. And never mind, it has no point. <laughs> That's good. Good That's one. Good. good one. Me and Nathan gonna have to look ours up like we always do. Dad uh, says jokes on Instagram. Be, when I I was teaching at this at a, another school last year, I had a seventh grader. I don't know how it started, but he came to me every day after school and said. I need the joke of the day. And so I had a different joke every day for an entire school year. Uh, did you hear about the guy that dipped his balls in glitter? Can't say that I have. Pretty nuts. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, do you know what a, a Christmas tree ornament and a vasectomy have in common? What? <laughs> They're both just ornaments. <laughs> <laughs> so tomorrow, me and my son are getting new glasses. After that, we'll see. <laughs> well, you heard about the optician who fell in the lens grinder. Made a spectacle of himself. 
I'm telling you. That one was good. That one was really good. So you got another one? No. <laughs> you know? No. No. I'm not pulling I, out my phone looking, so I... I, I uh, we do this every I time. Got, they're, I, they're used okay. to us not being prepared. <laughs> I got this. This is one of my favorites that I've seen in a minute. What do you call a boat full of buddies? A friendship. <laughs> I'm okay with that one. That one's did terrible. You, did you hear about the cow who jumped over a barbed wire fence? It was utter destruction. <laughs> what do you Tell call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call a deer with no legs? What? No, wait, wait, wait. Uh, that's the second part. What do you call a deer with no eyes? What? No idea. <laughs> what do you call a deer with no eyes and no legs? What? Still no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call a dog with no legs? Legs. A cigarette because you take them out for a drag. <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you name a deaf dog? Doesn't matter. He's not going to come anywhere. <laughs> Did you know that uh, ten plus ten and eleven plus eleven are the same? 10 plus 10 is 20. 11 plus 11 is 22. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one was gruesome. I can uh, I can give you one. This one's a little darker, though. That's okay. Let's hear it. Uh, what do you get a child, an armless child for Christmas? What? It doesn't matter. He can't open it anyway. Okay, since we're going there. All right. Now he's chomping. Steve, Steve will remember the truly, truly tasteless joke book that came out in the 1970s. I, I think I have that book. See? Um, how did they used to punish Helen Keller? Put a plunger in the toilet. No. <laughs> Put her in a round room and tell her stand in the corner. <laughs> That's fair too. <laughs> I always heard the plunger sticking out of the toilet one. Well, uh, there's that. There's that. That's pretty brutal though. That was much darker. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't go there. Oh, well. It's been a good night. It's been a good night. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun. Glad you guys yeah, made definitely. it out. Appreciate the invite. Yeah. It's fun. Probably the most serious one we've had. I'm not gonna lie. A little less lighthearted. I thought you were gonna bring a lot of lighthearted stuff to the conversation. Same. Ask me back. <laughs> Ask you back. Yeah. I think we need to I drink, drink more of that mead before I go before We didn't actually drink any. Well, we might have to have some before we leave. Yeah. That, I, had, be a, I had some. It was did actually you? pretty good. Yeah. Do you well, have it on you? Is no, it's it's there. We'll, we'll just we'll, have some. We'll yeah. cheers to the mead and we're getting out of here. Yeah. Y'all be good. This is Diet Coke, not a beer. I'm a lame. <laughs> That's a wrap. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. And we're clear. <laughs>